Shut up and sit down. everyone and welcome to the podcast tonight our topic is um the fixed factory paradigm um and we're you know it, it came up because we've um uh i recently put out a full length work um and then you know we had the quantum bang over the summer um and one of the most um prevailing themes in the comments is a demand for more and in some cases, very specific demands for more. Recently on the Quantum Bang, um, on my um, Unleash Your Demons pick, which, which you know, it's honestly one of the best pieces of work I've ever done, both professionally and in fandom. I mean, it's just, I'm really proud of my first epic, you know, my first full-length pic into the MCU. I feel like I nailed it. You did. <laughs> I feel like I threw open the door and said, hey, bitches, I'm here. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I am here. Anyways, um, but I had we had a comment recently on that fic where the person told me how much they enjoyed my work. Great. Fine. Thank you. Then they specifically told me what they would want to see for a sequel and a prequel. Margaret just got mad. <laughs> Calm down, girl. <laughs> I can hear the the what the fuck excuse me. <laughs> and a prequel. <laughs> I have often gotten requests for sequels. But I I the only other work that's actually had people asking questions about a prequel would be the second book in the Landian Legacy because there's a time skip between book one and book two. Um, that's never going to happen because trying to do that book, trying to write that time period, um, stalled me out on writing that series for three years. Well, apparently she'd like to see me explore the three years that Nebula and Tony struggled to survive um, while they searched for Thanos. Um, which thematically doesn't appeal to me at all. Jillian, are you here? Did she mute me? Am I muted? God, I had both my mutes on. Holy crap. <laughs> <sighs> I was like, "Why is nobody hearing me?" I might have to bounce the server. Kit. I had because I have the I mean, soft. You mute. were just talking. How'd you mute yourself at two different locations when you were uh, just talking to me? Well, I didn't want anybody to hear what I was doing, so I muted for a second. <laughs> but I only unmuted one of the two. I, I can't even explain myself. I don't even know why I use both mutes. But <laughs> you know, I encountered this comment. I went to the Quantum Bang site. Um, to do because there was an issue with the site, and this comment's the first thing I see. And so I'm working on fixing this other issue, which incidentally, me working on fixing the other issue actually brought the site down for several hours. You know, but such is life. And I see this comment, and I just kind of blinked at it a few times, and I just put it in the trash. But it was there was there were some elements about it 
that was also kind of like, wow, that is, that is some entitled shit. So I went to Kira, I said, you got to go read this. <laughs> and normally I just paste it in for her, but I felt like she needed to see it, you know, in situ and all of its glory, just kind of go look at it. And um, well, the last part of it actually really brought home the fact that she had no idea who I was. Um, and she never listens to my podcast. Um, she's ne- she's certainly not my friend on social media. This person has no idea who I am. Um, because she told me that I should, um, she, she told me about AO3. Um, and so I should give it a look-see. Yeah, come give AO3 a, a ch- check it out. What it, here's what it is. And I, I was mean, like, she oh. actually used the word look-see. Come give it a look-see. I was like, whoa, dude, whoa. Because, I mean, this is something could anybody exist in fandom for more than a decade and have three million words of published fic and not know what AO3 is? I mean, pretty much anybody who reads fan fiction has to know what AO3 is. If you don't know, she's asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I just, what? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know how you can be in fandom and read fan fiction for any length, for, for more than a minute, a hot minute, and not know what AO3 and fanfiction.net are. I, I just, actually, oh, I could, you know, Harry Potter fans like to point out fanfiction.net to me. So, yeah, yeah I get that too. But, you know, the funny thing, I could actually see if you were brand new into fandom and maybe you came in through Tumblr or, you know, Tumblr and, but Tumblr and AO3 have a really solid connection. They post back and forth. I could see how you might not know too much about fanfiction.net. But not knowing what AO3 is in this day and age in fandom is just to just assume somebody doesn't know. It was just like, come on, come on, dude, dude, come on. But the thing is, I've I've been I've been on friends' pages recently, commenting on their stories. Or we've had a lot of fluff bingo stories go up, um, a lot, guys. You should check out the fluff bingo stories. People have just been slaying it. The collection is getting huge. Anyway, um, actually, I was just on the fluff. I should go see me works. There are there's almost seven. There's sixty nine works as of right this minute. There's sixty nine works Perfect in fluff luck. bingo. Perfect seventy number, now. Let's leave it there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> seventy now. Um, because I don't post on AO3, so but you can put a bookmark. So we have like 71 and, and Lady Holder's done some, and we actually have a bunch of people who don't post on um we should probably build a fluff bingo list somewhere. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Air day. Go to the corner. <laughs> Midwife is a terrible term to use. That um, that is unfortunate. Lady Holder's written fluffs, but she's holding on to them. I, I don't know. She's I guess she's going to drop them on us when she feels. Although Lady Holder, I just want to say, I know I have access to them. But I just want to say that I had a spider moment today, so I deserve fluff. <laughs> um, you had a you had a ridiculous spider moment. I would actually call the store and complain. I don't hell? know how they haven't gotten complaints because arachnophobia isn't exactly a um a uncommon phobia. No. Well, I'm coming off the freeway, okay? I'm exiting exiting off the highway, my ramp off the highway, and right as my ramp off the highway, and I cannot go anywhere because I'm pretty close to the local highway, and I cannot go anywhere we're not going past the local Goodwill, right? It's right on the corner where the highway exit is. And there's this enormous inflatable black spider on the... Uh, here, I'll show you guys. I've, I've, I, uh, here, I'll get it. 
So you guys, I mean, I don't think it's hard to conceptualize how big this spider was. Um, put it in the link section. Well, yeah, I can put it in the link section. Can you put it behind the spoiler? I don't think I can. I mean, it's it's inflatable. So, uh, well, I guess maybe I can. What's the, how do you do the spoiler thing? I think when you're putting something in there, I just want people to come across it later and go, oh my god, because it's ridiculous. It's right out of something like Eight-Legged Freaks or something like that. Or that movie about arachnophobia. Wrap your link in bars. How many bars? Is it one bar or two? Queenie and Az are saying two. Two bars. I don't know if it'll work for an image, but I will try. I'll try it in the link library and we'll see what happens. I mean, it it's obviously cartoonish and fake. Ah, Marco spoiler. Okay, there we go. But still, it would be... Um, there you go. Okay, it's in the link library. I consider it actually a, a driving distraction. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how the cops haven't um, asked them to take it down. I almost, I mean, the thing is, it caught my, it caught me out of the corner of my eye, right? This enormous black spider. And I was like, oh, and I, I mean, I, I actually hit the brakes. I didn't slam on them, but I did tap them because I was like freaked out trying to figure out what it was. And I realized it was just a big inflatable spider on the, on a building. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I and, mean, that kind of distraction is the reason why you can't have a pool that has a visual on the highway. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. And it's eleven weeks before Halloween. Why do they have a big spider up on their on their on their roof? So someone donated it, and they felt like putting it up there. That was actually probably somebody on on somebody's house last year. I'm anyway. down for early Halloween, but I'll never be down for um early Christmas. There's early, and then there's spiders on top of the Goodwill, early. right? Right? There's just the, nobody needs that kind of early. The only could have been worse is if they'd had Pennywise on the other side. Exactly. Pennywise is the only thing that, to me, could have made it worse. I mean, it's, it's, the thing is huge. And this is, like, one of the biggest Goodwills I've ever seen, actually. You can't tell how big the Goodwill is from the photo, but it's, like, one of the biggest Goodwills I've ever seen. It's enormous. That spider is huge. So... Yeah, anyway, so I need fluff. But anyway, so we... But the thing is, so I've seen... I've looked at, like, people's I've seen people's comments because sometimes, you know, I want people to be nice to y'all. So sometimes I'm down there looking to seeing people be and like somebody will like, it doesn't seem to matter whether it's a thousand words or a hundred and thousand words, the tone, there's always like the day it drops, somebody saying, Oh, this would be great when there's more, or I'm so looking forward to more, or I can't wait to expound on this. And more, 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 more. The only thing and worse than M O R E is M O A R. Yes. <sighs> and the thing is, you know, and and I know, like one person I saw recently dropped their story. You know, it's a complete short story. It's not a, like a thicklet. It's a complete short. It's like I don't know, seven, eight thousand words or something. And there's a comment on it, like the day of, and says, you know, it's something like. You know, when you when you get around to expounding on this, it's going to be really good. Really, and, and then they said a bunch of really nice things. It's hard to hear the nice when somebody's telling you that it's going to be good eventually. Mm. I mean, it's not good now because you haven't satisfied them. But here's the thing: you will never be able to satisfy them. 
if you can drop 8k and get a request for more within hours of posting it and i can drop 110k and get requests for more within hours of posting it that tells us that there are some readers that will never be satisfied with what they're given and they are given this they're not even buying this they're it's being given to them for free so it doesn't matter how long it is and how much work you put into it or how long you work on it. I mean, Unleash Your Demons was a year in the making. It was almost a year in the making. It is so much work. Um, authors really put themselves out there. They, they worry, is it good enough? Did I catch the plot holes? Is someone going to point out a mistake that I made? Did I do enough? You know, I mean, authors have, there's, there's, there's stuff that goes behind, there's behind the scenes, there's a person behind that story who labored over this and worried about, did they get it right? And no one's saying you have to like it. But if you do like it, just hearing that somebody liked it is, is wonderful. Now, I've, I've had some sort of, I would call them like pseudo requests or more that are really cute, like if you ever write more in this universe, I will be like lined up to read it. That's fine. When somebody just says, oh my God, I need more of this. I need to hear about this. I need to hear about this. I need to hear about this. I want to hear about how this turned out. And they give you this laundry list of things that they're not satisfied with, right? And they don't say it that way. And I get it. I get that from the reader mentality, what they're saying is I'm super invested in this story and I would love to see more of it. But a lot of times they actually forget to say those pleasant parts. They just say, oh, my God, I need more of this. Like, I'm supposed to read what's between the lines, right? And, you know, I, I used to think that people were <clears throat> forgetting that. Now, I think a lot of them aren't. It's not even in there. They are. There is so much fan fiction out there, and it is so readily available. Um, and there are some very talented people out there oh sorry i was eating a strawberry and i got a seed stuck in the back of my throat i'm having a princess in the pea moment anyways apparently strawberries can be a death berry for me too as um <laughs> but um uh there is there's such a an immense amount uh, amount of fan fiction out there that i think that people um, a select group of people have stopped, don't appreciate it on that. You know, they don't understand where fandom came from. And um, they're very used to having this, this ginormous body of work to, to, I mean, I'm not even sure how many words are on AO3 now. But, I mean, it's an astronomical amount. Uh yeah, it's 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 a ton. I mean, I'm sure it's it's kind of like it's got to be in the billions of words, right? Yeah, it's, it's got to be in the billions. Um, they, I think they've kind of been. I'm not saying that readers don't value individual authors, but I think a lot of times we're, well, like Julie said, that like we're just fic factories. There is a dehuman, a dehumanizing. Um, underbelly situation going on in fandom where um, they see no difference really between 8,000 words and 110,000 words. And their response is the same to both. 
well, I want more. Where is it? And sometimes it's not even the story. It's just, I want more from you. More, 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 more. I don't care what it is. Just let me have it. And um, so there's currently over 5 million works on AO3. Um, some of them are hundreds of thousands of words long. Some of them are over a million words. I mean, we right. know that there are works that long. So, so it would um, not be unrealistic to say that there are probably over, I mean, several billion words on AO3. Yeah. And I know it can be for, to the authors out there, I know it can be frustrating. I know it can be just such that there's this feeling of like, uh, when you, you put the story up and it's almost, you know, and the funny thing is, is it's like, I've, I've had, I've talked to authors who, who hear, post and hear almost nothing, right? Like they don't, they don't really get any comments. Like nobody really says anything. And that void is very difficult to deal with. And I completely understand that. Um, but I think for some, and maybe even for many, it can be just as frustrating in a very different way when your comments are just more and more and more. Or when, especially when your first, one of your first comments is, I got to have more of this. Um, or when are you going to have more? Or when are we going to hear about this? Or whatever. And it could just be so frustrating. It's like, why is, and it, what it feels like is that what you've done isn't good enough. That's what it feels like what they're telling you. You didn't do enough. That's what, and I know that many readers who leave these kind of comments don't mean it wasn't good enough. But honestly, when the first thing somebody tells you when you hand them something is, well, where is such and such? You're going to feel like you messed up, right? That's what the kind of what I feel like the message is. Um, you hand somebody their dinner and they go, well, where's my dessert? Well, do you appreciate your dinner? Could you eat it first? You know, I, I, I'll ponder, I'll ponder dessert, but you got to deal with what's in front of you first. Um, but then by the time you hand them dessert, they're wanting to know when breakfast is going to be. Mm -hmm. It just never <laughs> ends. More, because there's more, no end in more. sight for that. No, there's no end in sight. I mean, and this will probably sound terrible. Um, but I miss the days when no one knew who I was. Well, you got one. You got you got evidence that somebody doesn't know who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, but she gives you a little bit of flashback. <laughs> the Dudley Dursley's a fan fiction. I only got thirty-one thousand words. I need. Th I got thirty-two thousand words last year. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, I posted um, "Stand by You" on Harry Potter's birthday on July thirty-first. I got some great feedback, uh, but I also got, I want more. This is what I want more of. There were a couple of, I really wish you hadn't focused this so much on your OC. I didn't, <laughs> but okay. Um, but There's apparently someone... for some readers in the Harry Potter fandom, any scene that Harry Potter is, isn't in is, is a terrible thing. I mean, I don't know what that is, but okay. Um, uh, but, um, and I don't often get complaints about my original characters. It's not Armand in um, Stand By You. It's um, I'm Hero Ito. Um, Who's my third favorite. Maybe second favorite. He and Sale kind of flip-flop. <laughs> Depending on the day. But yeah. Um, well, you know, someone mentioned in the chat room that I didn't bash the Weasleys as much as I normally do. Um, this is a Canon Divergent. And... It's around year three. Uh, 
the Weasleys haven't done enough yet to be bashed in in canon. I mean, like actual canon events, not assumptions and not fanon. Um, I developed serious problems with several Weasleys around book six. I, I mean, I have to say that by the end of book five, I hated Molly Weasley. And it never got mm -hmm. better. Yeah. And her treatment of Fleur was so fucking disgusting. I I can't even. Um, and for Ron, the the real ugliness of his character came out in book four. And um, Stand By You happens um, before book three. So that's why there's not a whole lot of wheelie bashing. They haven't done anything to deserve it yet. And this is a canon divergent. And so a lot of those issues that happened um, in the series would not happen in Stand By You. For instance, if Harry Potter's name were to come out of the Goblet of Fire, Hero Ito would destroy the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> There would be yeah. a smoking crater where that goblet used to sit. <laughs> and the Goblet of Fire problem is now solved. <laughs> because, hell no, is he going to let his 14-year-old ward participate in a tournament featuring fucking dragons? No, not even if his ward turns into a fucking dragon. Absolutely not. Zero. Zero. No. Not happening. So, because of that, and I also honestly don't think that um, this Dumbledore has been kind of woken up to his his bias and his um, and the ugliness of his agenda. So a lot of the events that happen in canon absolutely will not happen in, in in that particular series because of that. But anyways, when I when I posted Stand by You, beyond the people who commented that I didn't bash Weasleys enough. Um, <laughs> But they haven't earned it yet. Trust me. They could possibly still earn it. Molly specifically. Um, but um, cause I hate her. Well, there are a lot of different ways to approach Dumbledore, Shadow. I mean, yeah, I was, um, I think, I mean, opening his character up at that point in the series is really easy to do. But the further along you get into the series, it's harder mm -hmm. to, the, the deeper he gets into the path where he's basically leading Harry Potter to suicide, the more difficult it is to open double door up and expo and, and look at his actions with any kind of kindness. It's just not compassion. Yeah. It's just not, it, it gets more difficult, but yeah, I did get like, I don't know. 10, 15, 20 comments um, demanding a sequel within you know honestly I don't think some of them could have actually read the entire work before demanding a sequel <laughs> yeah it's like if I can't read it that fast well, I mean, yeah there are people out there who I know read faster than I do um, but I'm not a slow reader so you know there are I times mean, it's 60k and I got um, well, actually, several of the comments from more were on part two, I mean, uh, part one, and I posted it, it in two parts. 
it is just, I mean, I think you have to go into it expecting. And I've I've seen on that group people saying stuff like, you know, requests for more or compliments to how good you did that they want to see more from you. Not really. Not really. Okay. And I'm going to say something terrible. Okay. Because it's that kind of night because I had to deal with spider and hives. And I had to go to the hospital this morning. So, you know, it was, it was just, you know, it was that kind of day. So I'm going to say something not nice. So, um, there's, there's, oh, there's, and this, there's a writer who comes up in relation to me for some reason. I can't quite put my finger on why, but relation that comes up to me. Oh no, the hospital thing was just going in for a test. It wasn't a big deal. So, but you know, it's still a pain in the ass because hospital parking. But she got out of her bubble and now she has a rash. Yeah, exactly. You know, <sighs> um, well, that's what I was doing when I muted was I was opening up the new tube of Benadryl cream. Okay. <laughs> so box, and they put extra glue on the box and it didn't want to come open. So <laughs> fuck. Anyway, <laughs> I do need a bubble suit. Um, so I've had an author come up like a lot to me, like, oh, I know you'll love this author or this author writes a lot like you or this author is, you know, or whatever. And then they say, and, and Kira got a version of this herself recently about, oh, this is my, you know, this is my favorite author, but I think you'll love her, but I really like you too. So the point is, is that this author comes up a lot. Um, and the author, and the thing is from a craft perspective, I'm, I'm mystified. I'm, I don't like the tropes the author uses. I think they're, they tend towards abusive. You can't, I, I mean, I have, a, I do have a single favorite, but it's not because I like her more than like any other author. And I would, don't, I would never stack rake my authors to their face, but I also don't do that anyway. I mean, there's just one author who's like my favorite for a reason that has it, it's it's actually for reasons that have some stuff to do not with that as much her fic is great but her fic came to me at a time in my life when i was like bedridden and i just immersed myself in in the incredible number of works that she had and i was delighted by her writing quality and she made such an impact on me and really lifted my spirits at a very difficult time and it she just always sticks out to me when anybody says to me, you know, who's your favorite fan fiction writer? It, it's going to be Lady Raw. It's just it's what comes to my mind is Lady Raw, and it's not. And I love. Oh, that's her not works. a bad choice to make. No, <laughs> but I, mean, I love the imagination. Yeah, I love her works. There's no doubt about it. But there's this big emotional component in that choice. And other than that, I have there's a pool of favorites, and I don't rank them. You know, I don't do that. You're my second, my third, my fourth favorite writer bullshit i just love a bunch of these bitches and you know i will try to follow them where they go sometimes i can't do it but i will try because i just love these authors right so but there's one that just there's this big thing where you know i found her work at a really critical point in my life and it was just really did a lot for me so yeah i agree it favorites a cloud it's not a list but the person in big in, in bold font that's really enormous for me is Lady Raw. So that's just you know that that that's me, and I don't mind people have their favorites, but I don't need to hear that I'm second or third or fourth or tenth on somebody's favorites list. It's like okay, especially it's, when I, you know when you're told you're the second one, and, you and then they tell you the who's one. Yeah, you go, and you're like, oh my god, this this person writes hor horrible tropes. They write abusive characters, and how can I be behind that? Um. And it's not that I need to be somebody's favorite author. That's not even the point. It's just you. All of a sudden, this person has told you this thing where you are being put 
comparatively behind somebody who writes tropes you don't like or tropes you find offensive. They write rape or they write major character death. And it's, you know, write what you want to write. But, you know, when I see somebody writing a character that I also write and they write this character abusively and I'm told that I'm not as good a writer as them. Anyway, the point is I was talking to somebody one day and they were talking about this author they love and I, this was not a, you know, and they brought them up and I was just curious, right? I was like, well, what is it that you like about this author so much? I'm, I'm curious. I'm not terribly familiar with their work. You know, I was dissembling a little bit. Um, and, um, what they said is that they're their favorite because they post regularly and they have a large body of work. And I was like, really? Really? That's your criteria for favorite? Is that they they churn out a lot of crap? All right. Um, and, that's, and that's relevant to this discussion because it feeds into that kind of greedy culture where we just need more. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. And I know some people who have like KU who read like whatever KU romance hits their genre tags and they can read two, three, four, five of these a day. A day. Okay. Can they even remember the plot? Can they KU even... stands for Kindle Unlimited for those of you who are not aware. Um, yeah. And that's the Amazon program where you sign up and you get access to um, their library of free reads. And it's like authors, publishers and... get paid um, less than a penny per page. Yeah. And, and they are paid based upon how many pages you read. So, <sighs> you know, it it was so when you read on Kindle Unlimited, you're the author you're reading might get twenty five cents in royalty. Well, the publisher would get twenty five cents, and then the author would get fifteen to thirty five percent of the twenty five cents, depending on um, contracts and stuff. Right. So, I mean, a lot of I do know a lot of people on KU when they really get a gem. What they do is they return the book through KU, so Kindle Unlimited, so that the author gets paid for the Kindle Unlimited read. And then they buy the book separately. And just as a tip, if you ever do want to buy a book you've gotten through Kindle Unlimited, Unlimited um, you do have to return it and then buy it before the. Uh, if you if you buy it before you return it, the author won't get credit for the Kindle Unlimited read. So huh. I mean, you're taking their twenty five or forty or fifty cents from them if you don't return the book before you buy it. And you have to read all the way through the end. So, so I mean, I do, I have a, a, quite a few friends who, when they re really enjoy a book through Kindle Unlimited, they know they're going to want to reread. They buy it so that the author gets that extra money. But the it worst is worth part money. about Kindle Unlimited, outside of the royalty situation, which is disgusting, is that publishers who put their books in Kindle Unlimited cannot distribute them anywhere else. Not even their own damn site. And then there's, and the program is rife with abuse. When you consider these books might make 25 or 30 cents a read, there are people who figured out how to game the system um, who make $100,000 a month through Kindle Unlimited. Think about that, what that means. How they've, they've learned. How, and Amazon is something to stop the abuse. And the, I, I was on Kindle Unlimited for a little while. I got off of it. For starters, I wasn't liking the quality of the story, the books I was getting. There are some good stories sometimes, like sometimes an author will put the first story in a series into Kindle Unlimited and hope to entice readers into the rest of their series. 
but that's that's not i mean it so I, I there are some situations like that where there are some good stuff but there's also a lot of just frankly garbage in kindle unlimited and i was getting you know bad book after bad book after bad book after bad book and it was very frustrating for me. And then I found out about, you know, the problems that they were having with the first structure of Kindle Unlimited and what it was doing to publishers. And um, then the book stuffing issue that Amazon refu refusing to do anything about. And book stuffing is when they put additional content at the back of the book that is not related to the book um, so that you have more page clicks. So that if you've got like a Let's say you've got a 30-page short story. They could plug a whole novel into the back of that 30-page short story. And if you click through the whole thing, they get paid for all those clicks on what, you know. So it's the book stuffing thing, and Amazon wasn't stopping it. And so I stopped KU because I thought, this is just a terrible thing, and I don't want to support it. Aside, you know, but aside from the fact it wasn't worth the $10 a month, I'd rather buy two books that looked really good and were recommended to me by people I trust than or three books than to buy, than to have Kindle Unlimited and have unlimited access to hundreds of thousands of pieces of work that I actually did want to read. But anyway, I know people who are in this program who you know, are clients of Amazon, they pay for KU, and they will read, you know, like I said, four or five books a day in their genre. And they, they, except for the one or two that is like exceptional, right, that really kind of jumps out at them, that, because they tend to read along trope lines or in a genre, like they're re they're in the mood for something military. So they're reading gay military romances and they just, it all blurs together. Right. And that's what happens. It just is, it's just a blur. And they couldn't tell you what was in book A or B. Sometimes they wind up reading the same book multiple times because they actually forgot that they ever read it because it was part of a, you know, eight hour reading binge. And they forget. Binge, yeah. And the thing is, all they care about is more, more and more and more. They just want more. And I'm like, but don't you care if it's good? There are really, you know, I talked to, you know, I talked to one friend and these are not fan fiction friends. You know, these are real life friends. I talked to one friend who is, she's just, she, she self-describes herself as a Kindle Unlimited whore, right? That she doesn't know what she would do with that Kindle Unlimited. And I, I said, well, she says, but I can, you know, for the cost of two books, I can have as many books as I want. And I was like, wow. Okay. Um, and I, I, and the thing is, I see the same thing in, I see the same thing in fan fiction is that value is placed upon more, not necessarily good. And certainly I'm not talking about everybody or maybe even most people, but the problem is, is that sometimes a small vocal minority can can really make everything f very sour can make everything feel very ugh. you know and somewhere up above dark seraphina made a comment something about like that um i don't remember we've had a lot of comments since then i don't remember exactly what she said but it was something about um that these requests for more are cock blocking our our posting afterglow um, and that is kind of, you know, yeah, uh, no, that's not the comment, but I can't find it. Create the creative satisfaction afterglow. And, um, there is a, a satisfaction when you post, 
when you when you're when you because posting is done right it's like oh i'm done there's there's different stages of like done there's oh i'm done with the edits and oh i'm done with the final draft but when you when it's done when it's published whatever published is whether it's your book or it's up on your site or it's on ao3 whatever that is that moment that is a milestone and when one of the first things somebody says to you is it's gonna this is gonna be great when you you know finish the series it's like oh fuck you I just, I just uh, two years ago, I wrote a concept um, during the episode challenge. Um, <clears throat> it was new to me. It was, it was something that I had developed on my own, and um, and I was deeply inspired by the idea of um, the uh, the history of of revenants and and how that would have how it have changed and worked through the history of Earth. And I had all these ideas for different fandoms and, and different revenants. And I was going to start it with Stargate. And I just, I mean, I have an entire three subject notebook dedicated to world building for the revenant series. Um, and I got so much crap about that concept that I cannot even stand to edit the one that I wrote. Because it really needs to be a novel. It's currently in episodes and it needs to be a novel. Um, but there were so many questions, people asking me where I got it from, where's the original fandom, because how dare I try to have an original idea, apparently. Um, they wanted to know the source material. And when have I never not cited source material? When have I never not cited my fandom sources? Uh, they needed to know they they needed more 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 and i wasn't giving them enough and it was <sighs> such a frustrating experience that i turned comments off on a fic for the first time ever and um now i did it before because of a technical issue on my site cuz i because the page was um I had a theme and the page had so many comments on it that it was breaking my database because of the theme that I was using on WordPress. But I actually turned comments off on Revenant because I could not stand to get one more fucking comment. I have honestly never regretted writing something more in my life than I do Revenant. Because it was just a bombardment of people acting like I was hiding the original source, like, like, like it wasn't really my work and I needed to fess up to where I got it from so they could get more and more and more of this. How dare there not be more of it? There must be more. Where is it? Why are you hiding it? How could you? I'm just appalled. It was, it was a very frustrating thing around Revenant. Um, because it wasn't you know, my mind to see all those comments, and it was just like, and it kind of that. I just, and we did start trashing them. We started trashing them, and and then when people couldn't figure out when they when they, it's, it's sometimes when they, I think some of the comparisons, you know, oh, this is a little bit like such and such from this or such and such from this. Those by themselves. Could have been flattering, like, oh, rather this this evoked, you know, how much I love this trope here, blah blah blah. But when it when it was coupled with all these requests of source material, it just felt like more pokes at this is an original, and where did it come from? And so the I think in the pro here here's what happens when when you get a, C, a 
when an author is besieged with something like that is that you, you stop seeing the stuff that's innocuous from the stuff that is really entitled because I know that, I mean, sometimes, you know, cause it's easier sometimes when it's not happening to you to, to step back and go, okay, well then I could see how they might've meant it this, this way, but it's certainly not coming across the way that they probably meant it. And sometimes it's more a case of, I know the person who made the comment and they're not usually entitled, but it's not, it, it just all starts to blur together, right? So when the entitled comments of the people who are entitled and the people who aren't entitled all kind of start to sound the same, it's just this big blur of, of, of give me more, of grabbing. It, it, it's, it's giant, it's like giant baby grabby hands coming at you. Give me more, give me more, trying to take. And it's, and it was so focused. I mean, I'll, you know, I'm not, I mean, normally when I, I'm not a crier when I'm sad or hurt. I'm more a crier when I'm furious. Um, but I have to say that there, there, there was a comment. There was a breaking point for me where I just burst into tears, shut my computer down and went to bed because I could not take another comment asking me to defend my own original idea. I mean, I need all the emotional penguin when I, when I think of Revenant. Um, and the fact is, I love the concept. I it was it was just the most inspiring moment I'd ever had in fandom when I had it. I was listening to that that song, and it just it it came at me, and I was like, and I was telling Julie about it. It was very an organic experience that I had when I was creating a Revenant, um, and. Uh, I deeply regret putting it on rough trade. And that's the dark. Uh, this is the dark side, right? The, the deep, the dark underbelly. A lot of people don't recognize about why some authors are complete works only authors is because sometimes, you know, that you can't afford to post a story until it's completely done because in case somebody ruins your word baby for you. And, it can happen. And so I think sometimes the more original the concept um, or the more unique it is or the further you step outside the box, the more, the less likely I am to want to put it in a rough draft oh, yeah, state dog, in I front of people. That, but actually the idea of that makes me really deeply uncomfortable. I, I, there's, when I conceptualized it, one of us, I'm not sure which one of us was, was like, I said, oh, God, did I just birth a trope? And you were like, yep. <laughs> but I don't want it to be a trope. Well, I, I don't think it it could be. It definitely had trope potential. Um, but it that's one of those things of like, it's one of those things when something takes off as a trope, you don't really have any control over it. Either it does or it doesn't. And there are people who probably created things that they did not want to be tropes that turned into them. Right. And there have probably been people who don't care one way or the other, people who were delighted. Um, it's actually not just about people. I don't think it's just about getting her word baby dirty. It's um, fandom ruined that for me. And I, don't see how seeing other people do it wouldn't ruin it further. I'm just not in the headspace for it. I I hope to be in the headspace again because the idea is still really deeply appealing to me. But yeah, 
on the other side, if anybody writes, you know, if, if, if anybody else ever took off with that, uh, you know, and, and started, you know, taking that idea and turning it into a trope, um, which, you know, I think we're at the point we hope that doesn't happen. Um, at least when they get asked what's your source material, they can point to Kira. You know? <laughs> I actually put it up on... The only reason it is on the Wild Hair Project is because someone in a challenge after that one wanted to use the concept, and I wanted to give them a link to point to when somebody asked them what the fucking source material was, because it was... So insulting for so many people who read me regularly to assume that I was incapable of creating, of having an, an original concept idea like that. Yeah, Penumbria, I, I just didn't want to call you out if you didn't want to be um, called out on it. Um, but Penumbria did it. Um, she did a um, Tony Stark Revenant um, situation in MCU. Um, but um, I just... Uh, it's just really frustrating. And she had a beautiful, I'm just gonna be mean here. She had a beautiful Harry Potter plot bunny around Revenant. Um, so yeah, people ruin and and but that's the this the comment she got. It's not just about reader entitlement or reader cluelessness. That's not that's that's not the focus of this podcast, which it is that, but it was rooted in greed. In, in I want more. Where can I find the source material? Because I need to go find more of this. I need to go read more fic. I need to go read more. I need to go. I got a, I got a, a, a email one day. Asked somebody asked me if I could send them links to any to, to other Alex Shepard stories. <laughs> I was like, well. Um, and, I, uh, and my initial response, I assumed they meant mine. And I, my initial response was, well, I've got one. This at the time, I hadn't posted Send for the Man yet. And um, I said, well, I got the one short that has Alex in it, and it's here. And then the other story, it, it's, you know, because that was a ficlet. It was for the workshop. And I said, but Send for the Man is actually going to be going up soon if you didn't read it on Rough Trade. And she said, no, no, I meant by other authors. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there going, um, well, it, uh, I, was, I, was, I was stumped, right? I was like, so like, how do I respond to that? I said, well, I, you know, there may be other stories about Alex Shepard out there, but um, if there are, I'm not aware of them. Uh, you know, there is a new one as of today, I think, as of today, yeah, uh, with permission. Sadria, um, she claimed my art for uh, the every fandom reverse bang and um, my art had Tony squared on it. Soulmate thing. And uh, she asked me if she could, you know, do Alex. And I was like, yeah, go for it. She rocked it. It was great. It's on uh, wolftales.net. I think is the, is the address. Could somebody grab the link to that story and I'll get in the podcast link library. So there Please. is another, there is another one and there might be some other Alexander Shepard stories out there that I'm not aware of. Okay. Um, but Alex Shepard is Jilly's original character. It's a an original backstory for Tony Genozo, where he's actually a stolen Shepherd baby. Um, that's her idea. <laughs> yeah. So that was my idea craft, and I mean, I 
you know, and other people may want to use that, the, the both the name or or just the concept or whatever. Um, thank you, Willow. And there's my art. Um, it's gorgeous art. And um, but it was just it was it was a kind of a flustering thing. I was kind of flustered by it because I didn't know, you know, I. And the funny thing is I had this moment where I didn't want to go just say, well, I created the whole Alex Shepard backstory. That was my idea. And, um, but eventually I did say that. And then they asked me, oh, well, have any, anybody else written stories where, where Tony's related to the Shepherds? And I was like, maybe. I don't know. But I'm not the, you know. I'm not your I'm not big the, bitch. <laughs> I'm not the keeper of the Alex Shepard stories or the Tony is a Shepherd stories. Cause there are, I do know there are other stories. Um, uh, also for the every fandom reverse bang desert poet uh, the, two days ago or was it yesterday? No, it was yesterday. Yesterday she posted um, her story, uh, which is he's not named Alex. He's named Tony Tony Denozo, but he is a shepherd cousin. Um, so there, you know, so that's another story. It's called it's on Ao3 and it is called What Matters Most. Uh, so there is another Tony is a shepherd story up now. So there are more right, and of the people you know, closer to me in our writing circle, um, who've written them. I'm aware of them, of course, but I don't know every fic on the internet where Tony is related to the shepherds. Um, <laughs> Why not? How dare you? I know. I also don't know. I mean, actually I'm aware of more of the Tony's, the, the stories where Tony's fucking a shepherd because I avoid them because it like affects the plague. Cause <laughs> Ah, thank you, Angelic Insanity. I will post both of those links since I mentioned them. <clears throat> the Ever Phantom Reverse Bang just started posting, by the way, um, yesterday. And posting will go to the end of the month. I think they've got like, tw I want to say like 17 or 18 stories. Ugh, why do I feel like a dodo? Good anyway, job, guys. Good job. Yeah, they, they, everybody pulled it out. So they've got... Um, at least a story a day for the rest of the month. And I think on three days, there are two stories going up. I have two stories in the reverse bang. The first one will be going up on the 19th. So anyway, um, I'll get those links in the podcast. So, so keep an eye on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I, I, I'm sure Kira gets asked, where are the more math? Where can I find more Matthew Shepard stories? Well, there are more of them now than there used to be because we all say, we all love actually, to borrow Maddie. Well, actually, what I would say is, is more often than not, I get a report from people on who is using Matthew Shepard and how they're using them. Just so I know he's being treated well. And in that one instance where he was not being treated well and I cried all over Lady Holder like a baby. <laughs> That made me super uncomfortable. Man, I read that story. I was like, what is this? What's going it on? Was, it was What's horrific. Maddie? It was oh. a horrific AU of ties that bind. And it was um, disgusting. Well, Kira has asked um, that, you know, normally it's like she lets people use her OCs however which way they choose. But she has asked because of the unintentional name association with the real Matthew Shepard, which she didn't intend, but she has asked that people, if they borrow Matthew, that they be nice to him, that they treat him well. Um, I don't want to see abuse fix or rape fix or anything involving my fictional character of Matthew Shepard because of what happened to the real Matthew Shepard. Sure. It's not spelt the same. Um, 
which I'm glad that I, I went with the tr more, more traditional spelling of Matthew, um, but it wasn't on purpose. I, I actually picked Matt as a name because John and David are biblical. Mm -hmm. So I went with Matthew because it was biblical as well. Um, it seemed like a naming tradition to me. But anyways, uh, but yeah, it's, I was so offended by that particular story because of the connection to Matthew Shepard and to see um, the unintentional connection between the two names and to see my fictional character treated the way that could, I couldn't even read all of it. What I, but I, what, what I did read was disgustingly um, abusive. It was abusive. Yes. Wow. It was horrifying. Um I mean, generally, I I think Kara's more relaxed. I I would hate if somebody wanted to borrow my OC, like they liked a character of mine enough to want to borrow them. I would hope that they would want to use that character in a positive way. Um, I had, I mean, I but that's but that's actually not true. So I mean, I could say I know from experience because that happened. Um, in a way, somebody had asked me about doing a um, a, a kind of a, you know doing their own spin on, on an, an idea. Now I thought they meant that they were going to, you know, use the idea and do their spin on the idea of a story I had written and they wanted to use some of my OCs. And I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, whatever. Turns out that's not what they meant. They wanted to diverge from my story at a certain point. So basically and, they wanted to plagiarize you and then write their own version of your story because they didn't like where you went. Right. And they turned one of my characters into a rapist, one of my OCs into a rapist. What? Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard this before, but I blocked it out. Well, yeah, I, I try to I try to forget it. I try to forget it. And they said and they said to me like I was gonna be approving of it. And then so when I get this thing in my inbox, I was completely unprepared for. And they said, you know, this diverges from your story at this point. I went, What do you mean it diverges from my story? You know, what what are you talking about? And I was like, I was so like, huh? And I read it and I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what is this? And, and I asked them, I said, and they told me where they wanted to post this. I was like, I don't want you to post this. You do not have my permission to post. I mean, I said, I'm like, I can't stop you, but you do not have my permission to post this because this is not your interpretation of my idea. This is you redoing the end of my story. And making one uh, of my characters a rapist. So and, fuck you. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I was so upset. I was so upset. This was, this was, you know, easily, uh, five years ago, I think. Five years ago. Um, and, um, yeah, it was 2014. So, yeah, five years ago. And um, and it was one of, at the time, okay, at the time, I had crafted a whole bunch of original characters. And at the time, it well, he was my favorite. And I planned to use him in multiple other stories. I've never used him in another story again. I've used well, no, all of the, I mean, all, of blame the you. all of the other original characters I created have been used again, but not that one. Well, actually, as a result of the way things went, it was actually. Well, they, he he will probably never appear in another story. But anyway, um, and I don't. And the funny thing is, was I think that there was also a, even though this was another writer, sorta. Um, I say sorta because there wasn't a whole lot of evidence that, uh, um. There was much original originality or original create original creativity going on, but anyway, um, this but it still had that reader reader mentality because you know we say sometimes 
If you don't like what you're reading or you're not getting what you want, go write your own. Right? Um, this is why pithy statements get you in trouble. <laughs> it's because, you know, but don't abuse my story should be added on. Because that's what this was. This was a reader readerly mentality of I want more of this. So I'm just going to remix yours. Um, I'm making a terrible it, face over here. And give it this abusive underbelly that you didn't like. That you would that you didn't well, write. Well, that happened so. to me in Ties That Bind. I had someone tell me they had remixed Ties That Bind. I said, well, let me see it. It wasn't a remix. They copied and pasted my work into a Word document and edited it into an abusive um, piece of fiction rife with consent issues. I have never been honest. I was flabbergasted. I was like, what? What is this? I mean, like in the first part of Ties That Bind, they rewrote it so that John was arrogant and ugly. Um, and it didn't, I mean, lines that I delivered with sarcasm, he they were, were shifted and changed. So they were mean-spirited and ugly. Um, Sam Carter beats Rodney in the SGC. And that's when I closed it. Because it wasn't a remix. It was a very, very insulting piece of plagiarism. They've never posted it as far as I know. And I don't know how many people have actually seen it. Um, I wouldn't even call it a mirror verse because they literally did copy my work from my website and then edit it. That feels just like plagiarism. I mean, that's plagiarism. If you, if you're honestly, if you're starting from somebody else's work, even if even if the end result actually isn't recognizable as plagiarism to me, you still plagiarized. Well, there were because, large sections of my work that were untouched. That's just that's just full on plagiarism. That is not a remix. I mean, I just I say no to remixes because I don't think anybody can actually really easily define what a remix is in a way that I'm that would make me want to say anything but no. Um, well, I thought I was getting a remix where Rodney was the dom and John was the sub. That's what I thought a remix was. A retelling of a story with you know some different. With a switching characterization. Because there was like this whole remix challenge one time. Where these authors took the same idea. And wrote them from two different perspectives. Like in one John was a vampire. And in the other. So this one was me specifically because it was mixed up. In one story. John was the vampire. And in the other story Rodney was the vampire. <clears throat> and these authors took these two ideas. And wrote them. And it was a remix of the same idea. So it says, in fanish spaces, a remix is a fan work that is re-envisioned, a re-envisioned version of an earlier fan work. The term is also a verb describing the process of creating a remix. Remixes are most usually fan fiction, but fan art is sometimes included in remix challenges. Oh my god, somebody's remix challenge? Um, I find that very deeply offensive. I'm burdened on remixes. I would never agree to another one. I mean, I didn't agree to that one. It was done without my consent. But, um, I definitely would not agree to one. No. What does or doesn't count as a remix is pretty wide and varied. The term has been in use for more than a decade after all. Disagreements often focus on what one can and cannot change as people have different views on how close to the original fic or remix has to be to count. One user's definition, a remix is when you re-envision someone's existing fan work, essentially writing your own version of someone else's fic with all your own preferences. It's different from collaborating because the remix does not fall into the official continuity of another fan's story. It's different from being inspired by someone else's fic 
and writing your own because the connection between the original and the remix is made explicit with the remix being built out of the original. Some people have a very narrow view of what counts as a remix, but mine is considerably broader. If it's related to the original work in such a way that you can see the connection and the author of the second work calls it a remix, it's a remix. Um, and this is the problem. This is the reason why somebody says, can I remix your work? I'm like, no. Nope. So this, this gives a whole, think about it. No. This gives this gives a whole um, list of different techniques um, for remixes, like a POV flip. Gross. I mean, I don't like POV flips when there's not a remix. Role reversal, writing a sequel of sequel. I don't see how a sequel or a prequel could be a remix. Um, that sounds like a continuation. Um, all prequels are sequels, by the way. Um, <laughs> People say, is it a prequel or a sequel? We know what they mean, but technically anything that's written after the main work is a sequel, regardless of where it falls in the continuity. Um, new spin, tone shift, characterization shift. So I'll give you guys the link on Fanlore. So this is, a, Remix is hard to, to pin down. So when someone wants, you know, to do something with a work of mine or one of my characters or something, I want them to be specific about what those they want to do. And so I just say no to remixes because it is just too broad a term. And I can't, nobody's, I don't think anybody you talk to is going to have a similar understanding. One of the more galling requests I got on this topic was I, I have a, a couple of EAD excerpts for a Spartan AU um, based on the game Halo um, it's a crossover with Stargate Atlantis and I actually have a lot of world building it took a lot of effort to put Halo and Stargate together that was no easy feat motherfuckers if you know anything about the Halo game and Stargate you would recognize that that is no easy fucking feat okay no, um, and I actually I actually <laughs> I am a delicate goddamn flower. Um I actually had somebody in my <laughs> email send me an email talking about the pale horse which is one of the fix um on EAD and she wanted to continue my work. Y'all, I was like you want to what? Just, I just, I just wrote, absolutely not, <laughs> and hit send because what? Who, who thought? What? Yeah, because I did all that world building for you. I mean, for I know thick, thick adoption is a thing. I know it exists out there, but usually the author offers it. Like, look, I don't want to finish the story if somebody else wants to take it over. I would never do that personally. Um. But um, the one, the weirdest request I ever got was from a Harry Potter fan, and um, there was a story. There's a story on fanfiction.net um, that had been um, the author either left fandom or died. I mean, I don't know the author, so it wasn't somebody that I know for sure had passed away. But um, the fic wasn't listed as abandoned, but it had not been posted on in like. I don't know, eight or nine years, and they asked me to adopt it and finish it. Wow. Wow. And I was like, well, first and foremost, I would not be able to just write it, I mean, to adopt it and finish it because it's not been abandoned officially. It's not up for adoption. Number two, I don't adopt fix. Number three, I would not be able to do this without rewriting it because the craft was terrible. Is that ugly? Yes, but it's true. 
it would have been like there's no analogy that would not be just utterly insulting um it would kind of be like i don't know tossing a silk jacket over a pair of overalls that was rude <laughs> The difference between our craft was night and day. Let's say that. You would have been able to tell from the very first sentence where my work began and their work ended. She didn't know the difference between, he or she didn't know the difference between a dialogue tag and an action tag because they used commas and periods like accessories. Um, they consistently misspelled uh, Hermione's name. And if you're going to write a, a story, you should, for fuck's sake, get the main character's name right. Angelica Sandy said, I ran across a fic on AO3 last week where the author said the original by another author was so badly written that she just had to take it and fix it. So she was reposting with expanded sections and such. So she got on AO3 and admitted her own plagiarism. Now, I am one of those people who actually misspelled Victor Crumb for the longest time because I had didn't know idea that there was supposed to be a K there. But Victor Crumb has never been my main character. <laughs> so there's a discussion in the chat. I guess there's a story. Um, I, I it was the worst I, fic ever written. Oh, my God. So bashing the fic, too. People are talking about that there's, I don't know the fandom, but they're talking about there's there's a story that, I guess a bunch of people, a bunch of people apparently wrote the ending to because they thought it had been abandoned. And like nine years later, the author came back and said, Hey, I'm not dead. Look, look a bunch of people. That doesn't tell me the fandom. Oh, Harry Potter. Um, well, that's the one where they, um, the readers got pissed off when she posted the, the, the last part of it because it contradicted their favorite appropriations. Of this fic. Uh, I guess. It's, so it's called the. The, the marriage stone. The author's last name. Last name is Darcy or something like that. Josephine Darcy. I'm, I'm scrolling up. Um, I mean to just. If, 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 if a work is abandoned. If you think it's abandoned. I mean I, to, to my way of thinking. Technically. If like a half a decade has gone past. I tend to think the work actually is abandoned. Because. You know, whatever. But sometimes people do come back to stories later. So it doesn't matter whether they're technically abandoned or officially abandoned. I mean, well, if the author doesn't I say, the, I'm done with it. the adoption culture is ugly. But what I would also say is that none of those readers had any business whatsoever attacking the original author for finishing her own fucking work. No kidding. No kidding. And they probably were mad at her for not finishing it to begin with, and then got mad at her for finishing it. So, but she could do whatever the fuck she wants to, with it, right? And if she comes back a decade later, I mean, yes, I would say that after a period of time, the story is, you know, sort of technically abandoned. But um, the thing about leaving something of yours out on the counter, yeah, you left it there. But if you come back and pick it up, it's still yours. You know, that's still mine. My brother used to take any money I left lying around. And your oranges. Like, and my oranges. He go, you left it there. I'm like. <laughs> that's an ass whooping right there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but this was my space. You know, and this is not, I, I, 
I'm not saying I think people should con continue orphaned works either, but there is something about the whole orphaning process on AO3 that is like, whoa, dude, that's really cutting ties with your fic, right? Because you can't ever take it down. You can't ever reclaim it. You can't ever basically officially continue it because the you, orphan orphan. work thing on AO3 is, is, is like, it's kind of like it's uh, disowning your child when they're 16 and kicking them out of the house. <laughs> Why it's would hardcore. you do that? Why would you orphan your own work? <laughs> That's your so work, I, baby. I guess you're a somebody, terrible parent. <laughs> if somebody took, the, if somebody had a work that they didn't finish, that they orphaned on AO3 and somebody said, Hey, I'm posting an ending to this orphaned work. I might still kind of make a face, but I'm not probably going to get like my knickers in a knot about it because it, it's by orphan. It's my orphan account. It's an orphaned work, right? The the term orphaning, it's like, I'm cutting it loose, <laughs> but that is not the case for these fix on, on fanfiction.net. And many of these stories, people just go, people just get frustrated waiting. And so they just write what they want. Um, like, there was this big challenge in Harry Potter, and it's um, Reptilia, and it's about how Harry Potter has died a whole bunch of times, and he has he has he has exceeded his his limit of how many times he can die and be sent back, um, or he's close to, and so he gets a meeting with his Reaper, and his Reaper tears him a new one. Because his job's on the line. He's going to get him fired. You know, why can't he just do what he's told? Why has he got to be so stupid? I mean, and he's been killed, like, by the dragon, by the basilisk, by Dudley, by Vernon, by Jenny. For, he, she potioned him to death. I mean, it's just like a never-ending cycle of, of deaths. For, and some of them are like, he's died seven times. And some, he's died a hundred times. It just, that part of the challenge is not clear. You can do what you want with that. Um so I find this challenge really fascinating. I would actually like to write it. Um, one of the more frustrating things um, is that a lot of people started this challenge and didn't finish it. But I don't get on fanfiction.net and bitch on these people for it. And I don't run around and gather up fix to adopt. And there are several that are very well written um, that have fascinating um, takes on the challenge and so it would be like huh i could do a lot with that but i wouldn't because that's shady and it's ugly it's ugly ass behavior okay someone asked me in private if there is a circumstance where i would finish a work for another author in fandom um i I guess the only circumstance where I would pick up somebody's work for them is if they specifically asked me to um, because they couldn't finish it themselves because of some kind of long-term health issue um, and they want to see the work done, finished. But it would only be under the assumption that after I got it, they couldn't tell me what to do with it. But even that, it would have to be a very, very close friend. It couldn't be just somebody in fandom, to be perfectly honest. I would do it for Lady Holder. I would do it for Jilly. I would do it for Az. Although I'm not really sure what I would do with the Vegetable Ninja. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it would it would have to be um, someone I considered a, a, a very good friend. And it would be more an act of um, a friendship than it would be an act of authorship. If, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking basically the same thing. 
Um, now, I would not. Somebody mentioned in the, in the chat room. You, I know, I know an author. That I'm, I'm quoting. They know an author who suddenly died, and her close friends have finished a few of her works in progress that she posted. They said they did it in remembrance of the original author. Um, hmm. I'm not comfortable with that personally. I'm not judging. I mean, the thing is, I think if anybody who I would understand doing something like that, somebody in somebody's close personal circle, I would I, I try would try to extend the understanding. I'm not comfortable with that. If I didn't ask this, I would want. For me to take that step, the person would have had to have asked me. They would have had to have made that request of me. Yeah, I, I feel the same specific, way. Specifically, I, I can't see me no, no, I can't. I, the thing is, I think it would hurt because even even just to finish it for myself, right? Like just for me to read it, like the end of, I think it would just hurt. I don't think that, you know, in that situation where somebody I was close close enough to, to feel like I was that was permissible. If I was that close to somebody and they had died, I think that it would just it would just hurt. Um, I think it would too. I think it'd be very painful. Now if I did. If it doesn't hurt, my, you're not close, and then why are you doing it? Right. I did. Um, um, I did my first beta. Well, not for my first beta, but my my a beta I had during my first go around in fan fiction. So my first fandom go around beta she was the i mean i had a lot of betas at that time because you know that i was of that mindset of um they told you you need to get a beta and i was like oh okay i need a beta i need a beta if i need a beta i'm sure seven would be better it, it's believe me it's not um <laughs> no i agree that that's too many cooks in the pot um man our, my beta cycle was long because i did it serially i did not do them i did not do them you know, they did them one after the other. So I did not just send it out to all of them. I just, it was one. And then I was like, oh my God. And I did it a chapter at a time because somebody told me that's how you do it. Whatever. It was a nightmare. Um, anyway, the beta wow. I was close. The beta I was closest. We were, we were, we were friends. We talked all the time and we would, we would, you know, bounce ideas around. And she, she had like, she had some crazy ideas sometimes the things she really liked, but she was just super supportive of my writing and when she died unexpectedly it took me about a year maybe a little longer to get to the place where i could do it but one of the ideas she and i talked about one day i wrote as a short story and posted it um and it was in remembrance of her and it was you know an idea we had conceived together just talking one night and it wasn't an idea i was so in love with actually that i thought i would ever write it but you know, because it really made it did make, but it did make me think of her because it had all the tropes in it that things she really liked and the characters and the pairing and it was really was really her jam and I just thought it I thought it was like a charming idea and she wasn't a writer but like I said it didn't like from a concept perspective it wasn't super appealing to me but about a year after she died I did write the the this short story from based on that concept and I posted it. But I wouldn't finish. I, I can't, unless she had asked me to a story she had written. I wouldn't, you know, like finish her story unless it was something that had been asked. Now, if she had been a writer, she and I were close enough that if she had made that request, would you finish the story if I can't? I would have done it. But that this wasn't that situation. It was just an idea that I eventually was able to write to remember. I, her. Um, um, I had a reader who. Um was very enamored with my work and her name was Lise. 
and she lived in Canada, and she was, um, she was 86 or 87 when she died. Big Stargate fan. Um, she commented on everything I wrote, and, um, when I posted the first part of Ties That Bind, she didn't comment. And I was like, oh no, I wrote something that Lisa doesn't like. <laughs> because she wrote me these long, beautiful comments. I still have them um, because they were beautiful. She was just so beautiful um, as a person and as a reader. And she just really left her mark on me. And um, then about a week after I posted the first part, she 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 commented about how much she loved ties that bind that it was her favorite thing that i had ever written um and then i guess it's been a few years but she wrote me an email and told me that she was going into hospice because she had cancer and she had just a few weeks left to live and she wanted to to tell me how um much I had touched her and um and how my work uh how important my work was to her and that um she hoped you know she just it was it was a very beautiful letter and um I I was so upset when because I, I you know I, I was counting the days and the weeks and she never I never got anything else from her again so um but when I posted the no star um the north star I cried because Lisa would never get to read it. And it was just, she's the exact opposite of the shit I get from other people because she was beautiful. Um, and she left me um, such inspiring, thoughtful commentary on my work. And I never felt like what I gave her wasn't enough. And even in the last email I got from her, she didn't comment on anything that she wasn't going to see completed. She just told me how much she loved my work and how much it meant to her. And so I was, you know, it's such a drastic difference from that lady who wrote me and asked me um, and told me that she hoped I, that she had breast cancer and that she hoped that I finished Phoenix before she died. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you do get a stark contrast like that. I mean, there are, yeah, I will say we, we joked in another podcast, but like, I don't notice if you're not going to read my story. There are actually, there are a few readers that I would notice if they didn't eventually read my story. It's the truth. I would notice. And it's because their comments are so touching that, and so thoughtful. That, on point. Yes. Well, oftentimes point. They'll, they'll get something that you've done and nobody else will. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call her out by name, but when I posted, you guys, this is several years old now, th more than three years now. Wow. It's been a while. My AO3X, this was three and a half years ago. It feels like it was just like a year ago, but it was a long time. Um, as you guys know, I had been, and it, this feeds into the reader comment thing, but I had been pondering leaving AO3 for a while because the double posting is a pain in the ass. And I... I wasn't concerned about the whole aspect of growing readership thing that I know that, that some writer groups talk about is you got to grow your readership. You got to grow your readership. And uh, anyway, and I really appreciated the readers I had. I, I didn't feel like I needed to like, you know, drum up support for more. And, um, I log in. I just posted DeNova. I'd actually just posted a couple of things, I think. Because um, if found, please return hadn't been up for very long, I don't think, when um, I posted DeNovo. Anyway, I posted DeNovo. 
and it hasn't been up for very long, like a day or two. And it had gotten really positive um, response from people. I was very, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there was still a lot of in that. I mean, I do remember in those days, a lot of more comments on that one, especially because I, I, and I believe me, I actually get it. And I, I was prepared for it in this case because I knew what people viscerally wanted to see was what would happen when Gibbs came back. I get right? it. I mean, I, I get that <laughs> desire. I get it. I get that it's in your gut that you want to, you want to see that scene. And believe me, I want you to see it too. So I get in it. In a lot so, of ways, Tony's journey isn't complete in any fic until he tells Gibbs to fuck off. Right. Especially what of mine. Um, so I understand that, that I, so I was prepared. I was prepared for people to be, oh my God, I can't wait for the, when Gibbs comes back. And, and actually it's, it actually surprised me that a lot of people, they weren't even so much about Tony and Gibbs is they just wanted to see Mike Wepler and Gibbs go at it. I mean, which, well. what, for, <laughs> which for me was like, really, I was actually kind of, even though the comments sometimes got to be a bit much about, I can't wait for that got to be a bit much at times. Um, they did it. The co people who were commenting about how they couldn't wait to see Gibbs come back and have to tangle with Wepler. It was great for me. That actually was great because it told me I had succeeded with an original character that people really enjoyed. So, um, so I, I was, I was, I was prepared for, for, for these comments when I posted to Novo because I knew that people were going to be like, because if I had read it, I'd have been like, oh my god, I'm salivating for when Gibbs comes back. So I, I got it. I was set. But one of the comments I come, so I come up to a comment and basically it was just a, a critique of everything that was wrong with the story as it was. And mostly they hated the relationship and how it had come together. And they told me everything was wrong with it and how I had constructed the story badly. And then they concluded with, I know you can do better. Fuck you in your eyeball. So I was like, mm, mm. I, and the thing is, it just, I didn't like become like, you know, turn into like an angst monster. And I didn't like, I wasn't like super depressed. I just was like, it was just that moment where I went, okay, enough. <sighs> you can do better. You can do better is perhaps like, <laughs> that's what I think to know was one of my best works for somebody to say, you can do better on it. It was like, oh my God. Anyway. It, at the same, somebody else had seen that. One of my regular readers had seen that. And her, her name's Allison. And she had commented very shortly after. And her comment was like two or three times as long. And she took all those things this person was complaining about and talked about everything she liked about that stuff and why it resonated with her. And, and she got everything I was doing with Tony's relationship and how it happened. And it was, it just was a stark Cathartic. contrast. It really was. It was a stark contrast between, you know, between you can do better and, oh my God, look what you did. I really get it. And it was just, I was just, you know, I need, I need to just step away from AO3. I need to go to my own space. And um, I know Allison will come over there. Um, and actually, the uh, the person who left that comment did eventually write me and apologize because she didn't think I would take it so negatively, which I don't know how anybody could take you would take you can do better 
and she thought that would be encouraging or she thought she she thought that it spoke spoke to how highly she thought of my writing is that she thought that I had what better I don't know um, she tried to explain to me why it wasn't meant to be an insult I'm but, gonna go with no <laughs> <laughs> nah dog <laughs> it's yeah. too late and not you every are directly responsible for Julie leaving AO3. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are going to hate you. But no, I was just, and it was, and the thing is, and I had that moment of where I went, you know, Alice is going to read me, no matter whether I'm on AO3 or whether I'm on my own place, you know, and Allison gets me. And I had that moment. I was like, Allison, thank you. <laughs> thank you, girl. Um, I'm going to be on my own space. And she came over to AO, she came over to my site like that same day and commented again. Um, the, the thing is, the funny thing was, is the thing that this person didn't get was they said that the Ian's, Tony's relationship with Ian came out of nowhere. Um, it didn't fit the narrative. It was just kind of like the but whole. Also, this is also the same person who actually listens to the podcast and um, implied that uh, Julie just threw that on because during the podcast, we had talked about this story in particular and how you were unsure of the pairing. Right. I was unsure of the pairing. Yeah. But she Not had it all plotted out. She just hadn't inserted the character at the end. She was unsure of her plot. And there is a big difference. Right. Because I was like, I was planning on it. I'd never <laughs> written Tony Ian. And I'd only read Tony Ian once. Um, and, um, but the way I had plotted it, plotted his relationship to happen, whether it was going to be Ian or somebody else, because if it had been one of the other characters I was considering, I had like a different angle that I'd have come into the story with. But anyway, they would have actually met, talked that first time, not at Tony's apartment. One of the other characters I had considered later talked at the FBI, but that's a different story. So I was like, well, if it's this character, they're going to, but it's all, they were all going to come in at the same point in the story. And I wanted to, what I was doing and what Allison completely got, because she actually called it out exactly, is that sometimes life is not convenient. And sometimes really good things come to you when it's not the right time. And you have to make a decision about what you're going to do. And sometimes love is there when it's most inconvenient, which for Tony, that was like the worst possible time for Ian to come back into his life. But he had Boom. to make a but he had to make a decision <laughs> anyway, because that's the way life is. It's not convenient, you know? Um, and so everything I tried to do with um, how that relationship came into Tony's life and how it impacted him at that moment and how him choosing to go ahead and go forward with that relationship, even though the timing was terrible, was the proof of how far he'd come in, in such a short amount of time in prioritizing and valuing himself. What I would say actually is that none of the events in DeNovo were convenient. None of them that it all kind of piled on to Tony one thing after another and none of it was convenient none of it was easy none of it was um none of it was in his plan but he rolled with each one of those punches and he and he grew and he changed and he and I honestly I agree that Genova is, is is some of your best work um because Tony's development in that is just really good you. you see him moving and changing and growing and growing into his circumstances in a really awesome way. And it, it's great. 
Thank you. And fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so somebody didn't get what I was doing, and that's fine. That's fine that they didn't get it. Not everybody's going to get it. That's just the way it is. We all like different things. We like we all like different tropes. We like different pairings. We like different, you know, we have different tolerances for angst or fluff or crack or whatever. We all have different, and it's fine. That's all fine. It's fine to read a story and not get it. It's not. It's fine to read a story and go, oh, this trope doesn't work for me. No, 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 no. But, but she personalized it. She personalized it. She made it. I didn't do enough. I didn't. I wasn't good enough. It wasn't and good enough the, because and play the knows, part of the disappointed mother. Yes, because she knows I can do better. Um, like you brought home a B on your math quiz, right? Hey, I got that lecture. I'm the I know you can do better lecture when I got straight A's. So. What? <laughs> How dare you not get A pluses? Well, they didn't give A pluses, right? You were just, it was just you were you were A B C or D in that school, and I got I come home with straight A's. And when my father went for the parent teacher conference, he's like, "There's a note they needed a parent teacher conference, right?" And the thing is, she wasn't wrong in what she said. Okay, she wasn't wrong in what she said. She told him that I don't try very hard. And I got I never did I got, either. I didn't I have got to. in trouble. Yeah, I I mean I never had homework because I did it all in the breaks between in you know in lunch. Me, I, I never came home with homework because I just did it, you know. So that was school for me. It was really boring and it was really easy. And I don't say that braggingly, but that's just the way school was. Even when they put me into the gifted children's programs, it was still boring. Um because what did we do in gifted children's program? Did we study anything interesting? No, I built a medieval castle. Well, that's you know kind of pretty fun, actually. I mean, it was fun. I spent the whole I spent the whole semester building this enormous castle that took four people to move, but it wasn't exactly learning anything. But anyway, that's a whole different. That's a tangent. But did you um, at least learn the parts of a castle? Because I still don't know the parts of a castle. <laughs> at the time, I did know them all. I could label them and tell because that was the point, right? Learning, I was kind of the anatomy of a castle. So I had a, I had a drawbridge. I had an actual functional moat. We poured water in it. We had, we had a moat. I had a moat. Um, I, I got the best. I mean, I won that particular contest. But what do you <laughs> fucking do? Did I learn anything besides how to build a medieval castle out of you know PVC pipe? No. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so the teachers, I got grounded for this. I got in trouble because I wasn't trying at school very hard. I'm like, trying at what? So it, just, so it became a failing of mine that I got straight A's <laughs> because I didn't, it was, it was, my teacher was complaining about me to my dad because I didn't put any effort, in her opinion, into getting those A's, which was true. Absolutely true. I can't well, deny my it. My response would have been like, well, if you would like some effort from me, perhaps you should challenge me. Can you guys still hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay, because my browser just like crashed. It's very oh. weird. But um, I'm running Discord, the Discord app. It was just like my screen went full. <laughs> it went all wonky and shit. So I mean, it was just. I mean, my mother, on the other hand, called the school and she found out about it because my parents weren't living anywhere near each at the time. So when I told her why I was grounded, it was because I got straight. <laughs> well, what I said was, she said, "Why are you grounded?" I said, "I got straight as my report card." <laughs> And she went, what? <laughs> so she called the school and she said, and her response to the teacher, instead of getting me in trouble, 
was, well, if you're so unimpressed with the level of effort she's putting forward, maybe you should give her something more challenging to do. So, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I was in trouble because I wasn't struggling at school. But, you know, I actually just think that my father just looked for any, <laughs> any excuse to ground me. Um, which is fine because he said, all you can do is read. I was like, the punishment there. Okay. You can't go outside. Right okay. All you can do is read. Okay. This is still not shaping up to be a punishment, but I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but anyway, so the you can do better thing. It's just it, that being patronized that way um, and being, I mean, mo many women, I would say most women, not maybe not most, but many women in the workforce work in male dominated fields. I've worked in one my whole life. And um, the being patronized thing is a real hot button for me. So the, really the last thing I get, you know, I want is to feel like I'm being patted on the head at someone responding to a story that I'm really proud of and that I have labored intensely over. And you would not believe the amount of research that went into just some of the littlest details in that story. I mean, I spent a ridiculous amount of time reading Maryland stalking laws. But <laughs> I remember that time period. <laughs> Um, it got serious, guys. It did. I was like, I got really irritated about stalking laws and reading the UCMJ's Code of Military Justice. It's just, it's just, ugh. um. And so, when somebody's response that is, you can do better. I was like, okay, you didn't get it. You didn't like it. You didn't get it. It's not your favorite work of mine, and that's fine. Do you need to tell me? No, no, you really don't. Um, because it's, to me, I almost would put you can do better into like a really toxic version of more. Because I felt like she was telling me to go back to the drawing board and get to do something better. Um, like I said, I do give her props. She did write me. She didn't just blow it off. She did write me and apologize. But, and she did say, she said, you know, if I'm the reason you left AO3, you know, I feel like I, that's something I've done has caused, you know, a lot of people to be punished. And, I'm really sorry, and I really hope that you'll reconsider. And I'm like, this is the tipping point, but it isn't the, the reason I'm leaving. So, um, but then I also heard from Allison the same day. And um, it was just so interesting to be in that moment where somebody completely didn't get the story and left me really discouraging comment about it. And somebody actually, the same exact events that person A is complaining about, Allison got and she understood them the way I intended them. And there's just nothing more I can ask for ever in, in an interaction. I mean, that's like the most you can get is it's not a reader gets, gets what you did. It's like the most you can ex ask for. So overall, it wasn't bad, you know, it was just, it was that decision of I need to be in my own space. And people are, in my opinion, my, my observation over time, they are a little bit more hesitant, or they at least seem to stop and think a little bit more when they're commenting on my, on my site than they do on AO3. Because the level of obnoxious comments on my own site went way down. It went way down over what I was getting on AO3. Um, I noticed the same thing with fanfiction.net, and I wonder if it's an intimacy that the site environment fosters a an intimacy, whether it's false or not, and um, they're not in a big crowd of people on AO3. I think it's more that they're just they're in a pattern, right? That this is AO3, and this is and what they tell me when I see people do this, it tells me they do it everywhere. 
they are in a groove, right? This is how they interact on AO3. I think that AO3 makes actually to them feels more anonymous than coming to my site and leaving these same comments. Well, it is more anonymous because I couldn't pull an a I, I couldn't pull an IP off fanfiction.net, but I sure can on my own site. Um, and while I can't get your address, I can ban your whole country. <laughs> to punish will, you, Germany, for I his bad say, behavior. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I didn't. I told you I didn't really ban the library. <laughs> and then I had another reader using that same library. I was like, hey, somebody in your town's an asshole, but I will take this library. And they told me they only had problems reaching my site at the library. And um, I, mean, I did some digging and found that they weren't even, they weren't had never even been on my site them prior when I put this ban in effect. So, but it was like, so somebody who uses your library and lives in your town was a complete asshole to me. I'm just saying, because um, I don't ban people lightly. But I took I took that library off the ban list. Um, but it um, oh, I lost my train of thought. There is I will say that one of the things I did notice was an uptick in the number of people using my comment form to annoy me, um, because they could just you know they just leave me an anonymous you know comment on Ao3. Uh, just they'd log out and leave me an anonymous comment because I didn't at that time have anonymous commenting turned off. So they'd log out and leave me an anonymous comment. Um, and you guys, if you're on AO3, don't leave don't leave anonymous commenting on. If someone's going to abuse you, make them use their account to do it. Mm -hmm. That way, if they get if they get really crossed the line, AO3 will suspend their account. So you know it. So I did get an uptick in that. Um, the uh, The overall number of complaint comments um, all went down. The the critiques of my work that all went down when I left Ao3, um, and as a result, the number of fights in the comment section diminished too. And I always really appreciate that people want to defend me. I think it's sweet, but I usually once it had gone past two or three comments, I'd always go in and delete the whole thread because, you know. It just doesn't serve anybody's frustration levels for a full-on brawl in the comments section. But so I did see that, that those kinds of comments went way down when I left AO3. But the the number of uses of my comment form to send me complaints that went up, which doesn't surprise me that people are looking for an avenue to complain in some fashion. No, because complaining is like a hobby for some people. Well, they just, uh, they just feel like that, that they, I mean, and the thing is on AO3, I get it. It's like no effort to just comment and bitch, right? It's like, you're right there. You just bitch, but it actually takes work to, to come to my site and use the comment form. I mean, it's extra step, right? To go to the comment form to complain, which means this tells me this is just the way they behave. This is, this is like badly. They behave badly on a regular basis. When, when they have to put an extra step into their behavior, this is beyond poor impulse control. Poor impulse control is, you know, that, that field is right there and I type something and hit, hit submit. But when you leave where you were and you go to a different form and you fill it out and you check some boxes and stuff, that's not impulse control. You, you know. That's you going out of your way to be abusive. Yeah. But I just, I see in these, I see authors who we talked about, I need to preface this, we've talked about having a thick skin and 
there's a difference between having a thick skin and being unaffected, okay? So thick skin means I'm not going to pack up my cookies and leave the internet because someone is mean to me. Um, you said I'm cookies. Not... Yeah, cookies. No, I need cookies. Did we, anybody we... else have an instant craving for cookies? We are still, we've been on cookies all day. I need all the cookies, but I'm not going to pack up my cookies and they're my cookies and go home because someone's mean to me. That's not going to happen. Um, that's what we're talking about. When we say, have, have, say we have fixed it. I'm not going to stop writing because someone's an asshole. That's not going to happen. If believe me, if I haven't stopped I've writing, been writing right now, since I was 12 years old. So stopping writing would only happen if I was mentally incapacitated um, because in, or couldn't talk. Um, or, you know, or use my fingers because I, I wouldn't be embarrassed at all to, to verbally write out porn. I mean, it wouldn't bother me at all. So I am more than willing to drag on my way into a fan fiction story. Okay. Um, yeah. dra dra dragon speaking naturally being a software to do that with, but there, I mean, I, I can see circumstances where I would leave fandom, especially if I was bored. Yeah. But I wouldn't like, I mean, if I were to leave fandom and go, I'm not gonna, I still wouldn't. I mean, if I if you ever find all my works on AO3 and all my site shutdowns because I've decided not to write fan fiction anymore. And that could happen. But it wouldn't be because somebody was mean to me. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that I've developed a relatively thick skin. Because I started writing at the same age Kira did. So I've been writing for a long time. And I'm not going to stop just because somebody... But it doesn't mean I'm unaffected when somebody's an asshole. It doesn't mean that I don't get so mad at someone's level of entitlement that I it doesn't that it affects my ability to write. And it does. That has happened repeatedly that I get so frustrated with someone's attitude Word. or so, so, something somebody says or a, bullshit, just a whole bullshit bullshit. That it does because writing is a very it opens you up. And when I'm pissed off, sometimes I don't want to be open up. So, which is why sometimes my comments will be left unapproved for a long time because I'm not seeing the notifications on them because I turn the filters on because I'm like, I need, it's more important for me to write right now than it is for me to deal with potentially shitty comments. And that's just part of my self-care, but it doesn't mean I have a thin skin and I, I've gotten that accusation, the thin skin accusation. And it, it, that isn't it at all. It's just, but being having a thick skin and learning how to let things go is not the same thing as being unaffected, but there are authors who are newer, who are younger, who have been around. And by younger, I mean younger in their craft. I don't mean younger in age, although some of them are also younger in age, Margaret. Um, but um, having someone fuck with your mindset can be can be very difficult. Very. Especially if they piss No you matter off. your age. Yeah. And, and more often than not, they do. And so if you haven't got that experience about learning how to deal with people coming at you and saying your work is shit, which I've I've had that literal, those literal words used. This is shit. Um, I'll never forget the first comment I got on the first part of Ties That Bind. Um, literally the very first comment I got and it was the last time I posted a fic notification to live journal in the mixhep community um, because that's the only place it could have come from because that was the only place I had posted so far um, and um, I didn't have a 
subscriptions turned on my side or anything because I was it was very it was just it was very um, unique set of circumstances and I knew exactly where that commenter came from. They said, "Well, I'm not reading this shit, dude. I don't care." <laughs> yeah, we're both old enough to have given birth to Margaret, so we're allowed to talk about her age. <laughs> I think she actually said that her mom is younger than both of us. Oh, I believe it. So, someone, I, all of us, as Lady Holder, me and Kara, we're all pretty close in age. Somebody asked me one day if, if that was like, you know, the bitch squad age requirement or something. Well, Sid is quite a bit younger than all of us. Um, but that's just coincidence. I don't think we even knew each other's ages for like a couple of years. It really was just coincidence. That we're all very close in age. I think from the youngest to the oldest of the four of us, it is. Is it about four years, Lady Holder? You're the youngest, right? Which Kira? one of us is the youngest? Well, aside, the youngest. Aside, well, aside from Sin, of, of the four of us that are in our mid forties, I think. I think my you're the youngest. My birthday is in October, and I will be, you know, forty-five-ish this year. So I'm, I'm almost a year and a half older than you. Um, and I think as is two years older than me. Oh, about four years. Okay. Lady Holder, is Lady Holder younger than you or older than you? Lady Holder's older than me by a couple of months. Okay. So there's, there's about three years difference between us. Um, total, total from the youngest to the oldest, except for Senna, who's a good 15 years younger, I think. Um, yeah, she's not even 30 yet, is she? No, she, I think she's 30. She just turned 30? Ish. Yeah. She, so she, uh, yeah. Ish. Yeah. yeah. You're not a geezer. She's just, you're just, I think, I think if I got the, if I remember this correctly, I think Az is a couple years older than me. Um, so yeah, but that was just coincidence. We didn't know that we were all basically, okay, so it's four years. So Az is, is, Az is three years older than me. Um, so there's four years from the youngest to the oldest, not counting Senna, who is way young, who's 15 years younger than Lady Holder. Um, yeah, no, the age thing was just a coincidence that we all wound up in basically the same age bracket. What drew us together um, beyond fandom was craft and uh, discussions about craft and growing as writers. And, you know, uh, just honestly, your friendships with other writers, if, if you're a writer, your friendships with other writers will enrich you more than any other friendships you have. And it is, it does, I will say it transcends age. Because it is it is a weird coincidence that we are all almost in the same age, almost the same age, that within a half a decade we're at the same age, um, except for Senna. That is that is an anomaly in my life. I have in my writer friends, I've had writer friends who are 20, 30 years older than me to those who couldn't legally vote yet. So I didn't talk porn with the ones who couldn't legally vote yet. Just saying. Um, <laughs> just so we're clear, there'll be no questions. Because usually I don't know. We don't. We don't like you when you, especially when you meet online. You don't like give your age, right? You just you meet, you talk. You know, I've been doing this for. And sometimes you kind of figure out somebody's age a little bit by they'll say, "Oh, I've been writing for thirty years." Well, if they've been writing for thirty years, they're not twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that math and they probably didn't start writing as a toddler so they are at least in their mid to late 30s um, I was I was on Twitter today and someone had posted a meme that's talking about their age and um, they 
said my age is that I had to be um, that I had to get an invite to Gmail. And I was like, fuck you. I did too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to be invited to get a Gmail account. <laughs> I was invited to my first Gmail account too. And then I invited all my other accounts. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah I'm, that, I'm pretty sure a minion helped me get a Gmail account. I don't remember which one. I had to get an invitation for AO3. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been you, Lady Holder. I just don't remember. But I did. One, um, one of the minions got me a Gmail account because I was on Yahoo before that. Yahoo. I love the way you say that. Um, How do you say it? Yahoo? Yahoo? How do you say it? Yahoo. Yahoo. You're saying yeah, and That's I'm saying yeah. Yeah. Yahoo. I say Yahoo. You say Yahoo. I just think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's a southern in her. That's what that is. Yahoo. That's a southern in her. <laughs> that's totally southern. I, I actually had a Yahoo group. Yahoo groups is where I started in fandom. I I didn't do. Um, oh God, what was that? What was that listserv that we were all on before? <sighs> I wasn't in fandom then. But yeah, there was um there was something pr that predated um for fandom. There was the big thing for, that predated fandom for Yahoo. But Yahoo groups was was the thing for a while. Um, there were well web webberings were for people who actually had websites. But there was <laughs> there was like a list service that that it was sort of like a early forum thing that that there were a lot of people in fandom were in. Um, but and then LiveJournal took off. And LiveJournal, I think, was big in fandom around the same time as fanfiction.net was establishing itself. Fanfiction.net established itself, actually, I think, in 98. And, um, yeah, there was a list before Yahoo Groups. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, and Yahoo, Yahoo Groups acquired the group service that... Yahoo Groups didn't start as Yahoo Groups. It started as another list service, and I can't remember what that list. And that's when I joined. Was before it was Yahoo Groups. It was it was whatever whatever company Yahoo Groups bought, but I cannot remember the name of it. It was. Um, my biggest issue with Yahoo Groups and why I closed mine pretty quickly after opening it was that it there's a culture in Yahoo Groups that I do not like. Yeah. And I can't even put my finger on what that culture is. It's just not, it's not a healthy culture. Well, there's something about Yahoo groups um, that, and, 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 and the, its predecessor, whatever the name of that, eGroups. Thank you, Arate. eGroups was, was who Yahoo groups bought out and they absorbed all their, their groups because I was on eGroups before. Um, but, 98, I think, maybe 99 is when fanfiction.net started. But on Yahoo groups, there was something very insular about every group. And I think it encouraged that kind of silo mentality that you'd get in fandom. Like, this is just, this group is just this thing. It's not about all fandom. It's just about this one trope or this one pairing. And it encouraged and a lot, not all, not all, because some are great, but a lot of times it encourages this kind of mob mentality that I still see in some Yahoo groups that still exist today about fan and fandom. And I can name one in particular who hates my guts. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> 
But it, I would say to me, it was like Yahoo groups really encouraged that, that siloing that happened. And AO3, I felt like tore down the silos. It was like, we're not doing this. You know, this is our tiny little teeny tiny corner of fandom and fuck all you people who want to put Jack on the bottom. Um, <laughs> so AO3 was like, nope, it's going to be everybody. It's going to be everything. On one hand, I appreciate that, but we can be inclusive without including pedophilia. AO3, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, and also I think there was a lot of validation for bad ideas in, in the Yahoo groups. You know, it's like, I really want to do this. People just like, and this is part of that more, more, more mentality. It's like, yeah, 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 you should just whatever, write it, whatever. Yeah, do that. And it's like, don't, no, don't do no, that. <laughs> don't validate this terrible slave thick idea. Don't, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. But it's done. You know, that was, there's, there was a culture there. The next there day, there are. 15,000 slave picks and the Sentinel Phantom. <laughs> like, like, gross. Um, and then I think people were trying to do something a little different, a little bit better, get away from the culture of Yahoo groups. And I think that they really latched onto LiveJournal uh, around that time. As an, as an alternative. To me, it felt like it was an alternative to Yahoo groups and communities grew up better and it wasn't as difficult because sometimes sometimes to get into a Yahoo group, you had to fill out a fucking questionnaire and the, you know, the list owner would write you and ask you all these questions and they'd make you give up. And I, I was fine with the age statements. I get it. Every, nobody wanted to get sued or being told they were corrupting a minor or anything like that. So I got it. But sometimes you have to be like, you know, will you commit to only discuss this, this fandom or this pairing or this crossover on this list and understand that, you know, off topic discussions are not allowed and it could get you banned. It's like, Oh my God, this is too much work. It's, I just want to read fic. (laughs) It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't. So man, losing LJ, um, um, losing live journal was really upsetting. Yeah, I agree. I do find um, there's a lot. I mean, I appreciate Dreamwit's cu- culture, but LiveJournal works better. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I think Dreamwit did some things that, um, in, in the, when they did their code divergence, they did some things that I think weren't a great idea. And LiveJournal just worked better. And it, it's not an adoption thing. It's just there. Dude, I got to tell you, I when I post, like 10,000 words on, on Dreamwith, right? And somebody responds to it. I get that whole 10,000 words in my email. Every fucking comment comes with... Do you have any idea how much Dreamwith is bloating my email account? Mm. It's terrible. I mean, and LiveJournal didn't do that kind of craziness, right? And I'm not saying don't comment, okay? Please don't take it that way. I'm not saying don't comment on my EAD stuff. I'm just saying that, you know, if I post, you know, five posts for a 50,000 word story on EAD and somebody responds to every post, I get all 50,000 words. In my I, don't email. Have my, I don't have post notifications turned on. So I don't get those emails. I just go over there like once or twice a week and check my inbox. Oh, I should, I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> I just left the default. I was like, why does the whole post? Cause live journal didn't do that. They just told you you had a new comment. So um, but there was Live Journal. I did like Live Journal, and it wasn't just that. But there, I did like Live Journal better than Dreamwith overall. But I really appreciate what Dreamwith is like. 
the, the culture behind the company. So, you know, I can't, I'm not really complaining, but because live, you know, live journal just, you know, what they turned into from a policy perspective is something that I just don't want to deal with. And I'm at that point in my well, life. My, I, my biggest problem with live journal is that their, their English TOS wasn't binding, but their Russian one was. Right. And you had to agree to the Russian one. And also, basically, if the level of, of attention, some of Kira's um, love of comment and viewing, I think it was, it was some number. If you got, if, if any post got over X number of hits per day, you fell into this category of like public information or something like that. It was, it was this weird thing in their terms of service and your content was supposed to comply with Russian law. Once you hit that point and Kira would have, like and, all I would not have, and I would not have. Um, she would not have been com in compliant with Russian law. No, I would mm -hmm. not have. <laughs> On any level. I mean, it would have been like. In English or in Russian, she wouldn't have been compliant. So it was, it was this, it was this, 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 this thing. It's like, do I really want to, do I want to be here? No, I really don't. So you jump ship. And you go where you're happier. But the thing is, people who left LiveJournal, most of them didn't make the migration to dream with because they're like, you know, I was keeping live journal as kind of a legacy thing, but I read on AO3 now. And that's pretty much most people's mentality. So I don't think dream with took off as a fandom space because it was just a bad timing thing. So, and I'm at that stage in my life. If something is icky like that, I will, I will leave before I, you know, put up with those kinds of, Russian shenanigans, and I mean them in like in Russian. I can't read that. I can't translate it. So I don't know what I was agreeing to, so I couldn't agree to it. I just, you know. And also, I don't want to be a part of a, pro a propaganda machine. I mean, I'm already on Facebook, but you gotta draw a line somewhere. You gotta. And sometimes, um, your line is that you you're you're gonna be in your own space and fuck everything else. Another thing about Live Journal is that you couldn't do mass delete. You had to delete individually or purge. Those were your options. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a little. I do think as much as AO3 has done for fandom, and AO3 has done a lot for fandom, it is, you know, um, huge it's a huge it had a huge impact on fandom and largely a huge positive impact on fandom but i do think um there can be a mob mentality on a website that large um and people tend to jump on something with both feet i think that it is um i agree and i think that it is a something but it's something in something very almost social media culture about ao3 that i didn't see on some other places because um, you see the same kind of behavior in like on Twitter, on Instagram, on uh, Snapchat, on YouTube. It's like, you know, you follow so-and-so and they get their knickers in a knot about something or Goodreads, you know, Goodreads actually has the same kind of mentality and people will go and just, blast the person right like you offended my favorite person that i'm following and you're terrible and we see and i think what we see on ao3 wasn't to me i think that that came from an extension of that social media culture it has 
come over to AO3 as opposed to something that came from fandom because I think when fandom was more siloed cross silo attacking didn't happen that much. Like you, it was really difficult to go to somebody else's Yahoo group or get into a private community on live journal and beat people up. It was like, you had to work for that shit. Yeah. You had, you had to engage in acts of subterfuge and that could get you, if they, if they caught you out who you were, it could get you in trouble. Uh, in a lot of groups because the moderators all knew each other and they, they'd figure out how to ban your ass. Right. If you let, if you, if you let your light, your IP address slip, mm, you, you could be really screwed. So it took, an, it took a lot of work to engage in these kinds of shenanigans. But, you know, I think that you see AO3, the same kind of behavior you see on every other social media platform. And it's not a social media platform. Um, so it's, it, it's this weird thing. Cause I, it's, I see, when I read the comments, I'm like, wow, this, I might as well be on Twitter. This is what this feels like, the way people are talking and they're, they're ganging up on somebody. Uh, it's like, well, you're, you're not the influencer or you're not the person I follow. So I'm going to beat you up even though, you know. Sandy, are you serious? Did you see that? Let me get back up there. There are um, Twitch blacklists with stories from AO3 that encourage people on Twitch to troll certain authors twitch is basically gaming tv or video or streaming tv um that is that is disgusting wow people people man people well we talked about um do you remember do you remember in 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 the group that shall not be named um there was this this person, I don't remember what she had gotten her knickers in a knot about, but she was basically encouraging entitled reader behavior. In a, this is a writer's supposed to be a writer's group, but she's encouraging entitled readers behavior. And I don't remember what she said that just got me really wondering about her, because she, she's talked about her fanfic, I think, or something about her writing it in a very pious kind of holier than thou I'm better than you are kind of way so I decided to go check her out you know a little internet social media stalking and um was this the one this was was this the bitch you had the yahoo channel where she bashed writers youtube channel yeah so she's a she's a writer on my brain now yeah she's a writer and so I looked up her works and they weren't that great okay I'm just saying from craft perspective objectively speaking she had a lot of craft problems she had a lot to learn she had she had a lot to learn and and um i didn't get far i was just noticing dialogue mechanics issues i was noticing long paragraphs i mean it's just i've noticed a lot of basic like pov mistakes i'm like "Uh, no she has no business telling anybody else that they're they're doing something wrong but anyway so she had links to her social to her YouTube. And what she does on YouTube is she would pick a fanfic and she would read parts of it and tear it apart. On YouTube. This was her YouTube channel. And this is what she considered a constructive use of her time. And I just to me that's author bashing. No matter what she called it, it's author bashing. To rip it because she did she wasn't putting up stories she loved. Her YouTube channel was devoted to tearing stories apart. What she did was picking stories originally in the chat room. Um, I mean, in the group, she said something really hurt. I mean, it was just like galling what she said. Um, it wasn't the reader currency thing, was it? No, it wasn't that. It was something no. else. It was, it was one of the other things that she, that we had been gotten really irritated about that month. It was one of the things that I unfollowed the group over, but I just I remember it was so bad because usually when these people go off, um. 
with their crazy, I just roll my eyes and ignore them. But in her case, I, 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 it was so, it was so bad that I actually decided to go check her out, which was not something I usually do because I have better things to do with my time. Um, I don't remember. There's so much. There's so much that's so offensive in that group that it's really hard to keep track of. It could have been another one of those discussions around. No, I don't think it was one of those awful discussions about trigger warnings because those always make me mad, but I'm pretty certain that it wasn't that. No, no, it was. I feel like it was reader related. It was, um, but I just don't remember what it was, but, um, because it was finding out that she had a YouTube channel dedicated to bashing other authors was it felt like it was really hypocritical, but I don't remember what it was. Oh yes, as thank you, thank you. She's she's the one that said if um, oh. that all authors are subject to, to constructive criticism, and then if you don't want it, you don't don't get online. That. Authors are required to accept concrete. Yeah. That's her. <laughs> are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Did you see what Ann said? <laughs> Did you really? <gasps> I'm. You're my favorite person. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually like not in favor of that, of doing that. But on the other hand, she did she, basically she say for it. She, she wanted it. She, she basically said she wanted it. I mean, but you know, I, I was I was talking in another writers group and uh, about um, negative feedback and how negative feedback can be, you know, really um, it can cut you. I mean, it can be very, um, very um, difficult. Um, but that uh, the one thing I would tell any author is that you're not, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but you're not required to entertain it, find value in it, or to consider it an accurate um, assessment of your work. No, you really if, aren't. If you're going to run around critiquing other people and bashing people on YouTube, you shouldn't be surprised if someone follows you over to AO3 and tells you how to fix yourself. Especially when you throw something like that out there. That you shouldn't be online if you're not prepared to accept concrete. You know, but honestly, if you do say that you're entitled to critique other people, then you are opening yourself up to critique. Now, I don't actually think constructive criticism is a thing. There is no such thing as constructive criticism. You can offer constructive feedback. You can offer um, positive advice or constructive advice. But when you throw the word criticism in there, that's automatically negative. So there's nothing constructive about criticism. And that's really, my it's my personal opinion. It's even feedback can only be constructive to somebody if they've asked for it and they're ready to listen to it. Otherwise, it's just it, it's just you flapping your gums. Because you know, because I've said I've said on my site that I'm not open to receiving critique from my readers. Anybody who's read more than like one story of mine should know that. 
doesn't stop some people, but that's been my stated thing. So because I've set that boundary, when people violate that boundary, it doesn't matter if they're right or not. I'm not in a place to hear it. Because you violated my my space. Right. I said no. You ignored my no. I'm not in a place to hear you. Because this interaction is not, is, um, is not consensual. So it's the people like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with my critique. I was right or whatever. Well, maybe you were, maybe you weren't. It, that's sort of, you know, some things are, are more subjective than objective, but okay. Um, but the point is, is that I said no. And it's sort of like, you know, if somebody forced you to eat something you didn't want to eat, it would, does it, would it matter if it tasted good? I mean, certainly, it w or if, you know, if they, if they were right about that, it, if they're right, if they say, hey, this tastes good, them being right about it tasting good does not actually make it better that they force you to eat it. So, it, I mean, it's not, that's not a perfect analogy, but it, it is kind of in that vein of like, I've, so there have been times when somebody has said, and I had somebody like rip apart what was wrong with what started of mine. I mean, and the thing is, objectively, she was right about everything she said. She also didn't tell me anything I didn't already know is the thing. Because I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I am I, pretty often aware of my, of, of my issues before I ever post something. A lot of times it comes down to, I just don't feel like fixing it. Well, and sometimes um, it's because I've grown as a writer and I'm able to see mistakes I've made in the past. Um, I'm certainly more aware within a couple of years of posting emergence what the flaws were in it than I was when I posted it. Um, but, you know, and, and that was the story somebody ripped apart. Um, and it was all very... There was a professional level, level of professionalism in her, her language, which tells me she's probably has something to do with writing in her job. Either she's an editor or she's another writer herself. But there was the language she used and, and the way she pointed out problems implied a level of expertise. It didn't matter to me. And I think, she, like I said, she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong about anything she pointed out, but there was nothing she pointed out that I didn't already know, that I hadn't already self-assessed. There was like no revelation there in this email. But the point, I wasn't in, I'm, it wouldn't have mattered if all of that was good and new and, and I hadn't thought of it. I said no. I said I didn't want this. So I was in no frame of mind to evaluate what she had said at that time. Now, I did think about it. We'd go back and read it later. And I was like, yeah, I already knew that. Yeah, I already knew that. I already knew that. Yeah, I already knew that. There, there's like one or two things. I'm like, no, you just don't understand what I was doing. Um, but <laughs> if when an author says, I don't want... Now, on the other hand, when an author says something like, um, if you see any mistakes, please let me know. Uh, I always cringe. I always cringe because I'm... I'm if I'm not going to answer, even if they, if even if I think they mean it, but I tend to think what they're asking there is if you see like a typo, I don't have a beta. Could you let me know? I tend to think that's what they're saying, but typo roundups is not my lookout, so I don't, I don't engage <laughs> in that. But people often interpret if you see any mistakes, let me know, to be a rambling critique of everything they think the author did wrong. You know, in in from concept to execution, and I can't I can't help but think that that's not what the author meant. 
There is a um, I, somebody mentioned earlier that they don't agree with my assessment of constructive criticism. Here's the thing about um, specifically in fandom, um, especially if you're a writer, please, please, please keep this in your brain. If you're a writer and you ever think about posting or if you do post, don't ask for constructive criticism because there's no such thing in fandom. Um, I have been a professional writer um, for quite a long time since my early 20s. I have been um, edited within an inch of my life. I have received critique on a level that felt more like an anal probe. Um, very valuable critique. But even in those moments, I would have never considered any of those events, the constructive criticism that is dealt out in fandom. It does not exist. There is no such thing. Um, hey, Chris. Uh, but uh, there's a difference between getting an alpha or a beta or a critique or a, um, or, you know, really constructive, valuable feedback versus getting constructive criticism, which is you just a list of things that you didn't do right that, that they would prefer that you have done instead. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, dark actually posted the definition of criticism which basically sums up the point okay criticism the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes the analysis and judgment of the merits of and faults of a literary or artistic work alternate methods of criticism supported by well-developed literary theories criticism in itself is just deeply it's it's a negative experience and you don't want to invite that on yourself. Ask for an alpha read, ask for a beta, ask for feedback, but don't invite criticism into your creative life because people take the word criticism as permission to be as negative as possible. And also criticism is dealt by critics. Think about that. Um, the kind of criticism that, that they're talking about there in that definition is what is doled out by critics. Critic to me in this context is someone who is professionally um, endowed to give critique, which means book reviewers. I don't mean somebody who buys a book and reviews it. I mean, who's somebody whose job it is to review books. Someone who knows what to look for in a book in order to construct a review. Same thing. Not I, I couldn't do be a movie reviewer. I could tell you if I liked a movie or not and why I liked it or not. But I could not break down a movie and talk about the tropes they're using. Or I couldn't talk about the narrative development. I just can't do it. It's not my skill set. So there is a skill set to breaking down and being a critic. Being a critic, whether it's an art critic, or whether it's a book critic, or whether it's a movie critic, that is a skill that people learn how to do in order to do that effectively. And most authors are never going to be on the radar of a professional book critic. And to be perfectly frank, 99% of readers in fandom are not capable of it either. No. All they're going to do is give you a list of things they would prefer G that you had done. And then get mad at you when you don't like it. And even if they give you good feedback or they give you a list of things that they think would help or where they think that you contradicted yourself or whatever, even if what they give you is good, it doesn't mean they're qualified to be a critic, which means they're not really qualified to dole out criticism. 
If you need feedback, if you need a beta or an alpha, do that in private. Never seek that in public. You're just opening yourself up to abuse. And some people in fandom don't need an invitation to abuse you. But there are those who do. And once you invite them in, it's like inviting in a vampire. I have had people on my site write me hundreds of words of feedback and um, with like this tone of ownership to my ideas. Yeah, that you work for me. This, this, is what I, this is what I will want to see next. This is what I expect. I'm really looking forward to the moment Mike Weppler and Jethro gives me. Me too. <laughs> but it's cute the first time you see it, right? But what about the 100th time you saw it? It's still cute. Um. <laughs> I think only, and that's a rare exception, I have to say. It's a rare exception. And there's exceptions to everything. That is a rare exception just because I want it so bad. Right. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> I know. But, you know, if it's not cute anymore when people ask me about when, you know, John, when, when Tony and Gibbs are going to make it to Atlantis and Emergence. It's, it's not fun. It's not. Also, you guys, I told this story a long time ago. I'm going to tell it again. Because it has, because um, it's important. Although I do have an exception to this, which I will say after the story. I used to work for a man, and he was a professional um, pianist, and uh, he retired from that um, that circuit and started teaching piano. And everybody in his life, in his students, when, when it, it, inevitably, when he was, when there was a gift giving occasion, he would be given a piano. It never failed of some kind. He would get some kind of piano picture or a little glass piano or, you know, a little piano keychain. Eventually, there would be some reference to a fucking piano in his gift. He would get piano music. He would get the history of pianos. I mean, it was just like everywhere. He would get pianos. He had whole shelves in his house dedicated to the knickknack pianos he had received throughout his life. When I, when I met him, he was in his 50s. Okay. So... We worked together and we had a couple of young kids working for us, um, college kids. And um, it was Christmas and we had gotten the kids some gift bags for their dorms. You know, just some, like, just some stuff that they would need in their dorms. You know, um, just dorm stuff. Um, and the kids got together and bought us each a gift. Now, I got a little, um, little music box. It was really cute. When you opened it up, it played... Um, uh, Beautiful Dreamer, I think. It was adorable. It was a little adorable. And it was a jewelry box. And um, it was really nice. And he got a glass piano. And if it couldn't get any worse, it was also a music box. Do you want to guess what it played? It didn't open up. It just had a little twisty thing. No. Piano Man would have been perfect. <laughs> it would have been. It was Florida Delis. <laughs> Which he says is the worst because it's the first fucking song that he taught all of his students. And he had heard it done so badly, so much over the years, that he hated to even think about the song, much less hear it. And he looked over at me, and I was like, I just saw like 50 years of misery involving a piano on him. 
just settled there. And he was really thankful and grateful because I didn't know, right? Um, so um here are a few pianos in my life. Collars. <laughs> no kidding. Harry Potter with a beard. Trust me, I've got all those pictures. You could not you probably could not find a picture of Daniel Radcliffe on the internet with a beard that I don't already have. But thanks. Um yeah, Jilly's piano is dragons. Um but I, also the more interesting thing <laughs> Lady Holders <laughs> Lady Holders piano is teapots. Um uh what I would say about the collar situation is that I most of you when you send me pictures of things that you think would make a really good collar, you have absolutely no idea the of, of, of how the mechanics of a collar and BDSM actually work. And I don't want to correct you, but like it's horrific. I mean, you like I, I I hope, seriously hope that it's just like a fancy idea for you because you would get some people straight up killed <laughs> <laughs> with some of the things that you suggest be used as a caller. I mean, seriously, guys, seriously. But one thing that I will, you know, honestly, never get piano by is penguins. <laughs> don't 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 say that. Don't say that. Because it's such a little, you know, when, when when someone offers me a penguin, they're offering me emotional support. It isn't like, yeah. here, made here, it. have this penguin. Oh, look, look how penguin this is. It's about, you know, oh, I'm, I'm sorry you feel bad. Here's a penguin. <laughs> That's totally different. And it's, it's cute. Because it, it's the emotional support. Because it's somebody saying, here's emotional support, support, as opposed to what the piano often usually feels like, which is being prodded. Right, it does feel like um, sometimes I'll get a picture, like someone will tag me and say, "Hey, wouldn't make a really great collar?" Or, "Hey, look at this picture of Daniel Radcliffe. Doesn't he look hot?" Um, they're they're really trying to remind me that I need to write. And I actually had someone email me once and bitch about how much time I spent online and specifically on my podcast because I could be using that time writing. Oh, yeah, I could, but I don't want to. <laughs> And I was like, I wrote back and told them um, that the day they started paying all my fucking bills, that they could tell me what to do with my spare time. Yeah. There was a brief period in time. I don't remember exactly when. It lasted for about, I want to say, was, was it about a month or something? Where I was hiding on my timeline on Facebook four or five dragon pictures a day. A day. <laughs> So, and the funniest thing was, anytime anybody saw a large animal on, and we we come up with the pen, we come up with the piano code at this point. And so, if there's some sort of large creature on my timeline, somebody say you got pianoed again, and I'd go check it out. And usually, I hid most of them because I just dragon sculptures, and I, I'm not trying to make, embarrass anybody, but it just it got uh, the thing is probably I probably shouldn't have been hiding them because. Well, it was, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because by hiding them, people think that there's not a bunch of them there. But if I left them all there, people would think I really liked, really wanted them there. So there was just, like, no way to win, right? Um, but anyway, um, so I said, you got pianoed again. And I went and looked, and it was a whale. <laughs> Why'd you get a whale? I don't know, but I was tagged in it. And somebody was asking me to, to write a fic 
I said, what is this? Jesus, what does this inspire you to want to write? And I was like, uh, it's making me want to watch Star Trek four. <laughs> like, Which is a perfectly acceptable answer to getting a whale picture. Right. I was like, it's a whale. Why does it as there be whales here, Captain? Well then so I was like, so I was like, and I I I was so flummoxed, right? I'm like, why a whale? So um I did I did eventually respond and I kind of went, I'm I usually don't particularly find whales all that particularly. <laughs> Um, inspirational, and it turned out she'd met. She thought she'd click on the dragon picture, and she <laughs> clicked on a whale. So she, she meant goes, to piano you. She just she missed. did. She she did. So uh, the thing is, the thing is, I'd never like responded on any of the other dragon pictures before, but I responded to the whale, and I was like, "Why does she tag me on a whale? It's a whale. I, it, what am I supposed to do with it? It's not going to make a good spirit animal." Not one that big. You, 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 you honestly should have said, uh, I'm sorry, but Free Willy isn't one of my fandoms. Right. It was a, I think it was like a blue whale. I think. I think oh, we're talking about that's too bad. Big, that's too bad. Big, a big fucking whale here. Um, oh, you can say well, you're not really into Bible fanfic? <laughs> Jonah and the whale, yeah. But I also, oh, that's adorable, Dark. Um, <laughs> but also, ocelots have become a bit of a piano. Um, yeah, yeah, vicious. Yeah, but it's it's you know vicious. It's it's they're 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 cute. At least they at least they're cute. Because and the thing is, I made I was um somebody was asking um I don't remember how they were asked. They asked me ocelots were my favorite cat because of vicious. Which n- no, I'm about, I'm about to break I'm about to break the rule that started all this. Um, my favorite of the big cats is the cheetah. It's my absolute favorite. So I, I commented on that, like in this this post. No, also my, my cheetahs are my favorite, and it's because cheetah cubs to me are the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> um, and um, I just I, I just want think- a Flarkin so I can take him um, grocery shopping with me. I- Look at these faces. They look so grouchy. They all look perpetually pissed off. I just, they've cheetah. That cheetah is cub, like my spirit animal right there. Cheetah cubs have resting bitch face like no other cat. Anyway, except maybe that one, what is that, the palace cat? Oh my God, that cat. That cat is born with resting bitch face. And But anyway, so I said that and Kira like immediately pained me. She's, are you crazy? You're going to get cheetah pictures. <laughs> <laughs> every take that comment down you're it's never gonna end i was like oh my god you're right and i went and deleted the comment real quick <laughs> because it, it's just there was this point where it I was will just never end <laughs> it, this kind of stuff isn't happening as much anymore but there was this time there where i felt like i was getting flooded with like like pictures of stuff like look at this look at this look at this look at this cake that's there you go there's the palace cat i swear you am. anyway um so, I am. Um, yeah, so Goose I, is a flarkin, um, Queenie. Yeah, but so I, I looked. I, I just made that innocent comment. No, no, my favorite cat is the is the cheetah, and Kira immediately pinged me. She's, are you out of your mind? You want to get a hundred cheetah pictures? <laughs> like, no, like, no. It's, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna go take that. Co- I deleted the comment. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Please, no one cheated me. I take so, it please, back. <laughs> please, no one cheated me. 
Now, see, I cannot always thought Madame Moody's animagus form was probably like a really deeply disgruntled baboon. <laughs> or that ape from those Clint Eastwood movies. That's even better. Clyde. Remember, you guys remember Clyde from the Clint Eastwood movies? Every Which Way But Loose? Left turn. <laughs> That's Mad-Eye Moody's animagus form. <laughs> well, this is not left turn, but it is us getting birded. <laughs> but, you know, as, you know, fandom creates, um, we have lots of really awesome, you know, um, very supportive uh, fandom community, you know, um, uh, community spaces of our own that we moderate and take care of and curate and, and keep safe for you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I have been accused of being controlling when it comes to like our Facebook groups or our MeWe or how rough trade is run. Um, and I don't deny that. Um, I am a very controlling person. I have an alpha personality. I like to be on top every how you want to say it. I don't care. I don't find it to be an insult. Um, but the end result is, is that we do have safe fandom spaces where if you get abused by another member, I'm going to come down on them like a ton of bricks. They're going to regret all their life choices. And they know that, so they don't do it. But there are other environments in fandom that are, that practically encourage abusive behavior. Like that group that shall not be named on Facebook or that group that shall not be named on y Yahoo. Um, one of which is like practically turned in, I'm um, turning into a group of people who hate me. <laughs> Whatever. But um, that they foster that kind of environment and encourage trolling and encourage entitlement um, and encourage this demanding, greedy, culture where authors are treated like thick factories and um if we don't perform at the level they think we should then they feel like they have to, then they feel like they need to punish us and that they have the right to do so which apparently means going over to twitch and creating a a channel just so they can keep a list of people that should be abused for not meeting their expectations i think it's also the root of those communities on live journal you know the ones that used to be called fandom wank mm-hmm I'm not sure if they still exist or not. I only went to one once because I got a link and I laughed and closed it and moved on because <laughs> I don't give a shit. You know, the thing is, is if you have a terrible opinion of me, but you're not brave enough to actually say it yourself, you have to get on a server uh, on a, on a live journal somewhere or a Twitch or whatever and do it anonymously, man, you can suck my dick. She'll get a special one just for you. I will. I'll go to the store and get a brand new one. I'll tell you a story about my husband. Um, we were we were kind of fussing, not really fussing, but we have a very you know we have um, kind of you know spirited discussions, me and my husband. And um, we were um, he was out in the garage and I was in the kitchen and the door was open and I said something and I, I yelled at him or something. Not it wasn't anything particularly bad. It was just it was loud. And he said, "Would you lower your voice before that old hag next door hears you?" And I said, that old hag next door can suck my dick. And she said, he, he, he said, oh, no, she can't. 
Uh, he's he's territorial about who gets to suck your dick. <laughs> well, he was referring to his own. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I will immediate. Oh no, she can't. <laughs> he's not already near his junk. <laughs> Look at this precious little thing. Take but that is my head. dick too. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, someone broke that little thing's heart. We have to go fix it. <laughs> And actually, yeah, because they're talking about most cheetahs are not single birds. So this, this one was, and it became best friends with a puppy. We needed a friend. Bye, Sandy. Bye, Sandy. That dog is that cheetah's emotional support animal. It needs a penguin. <laughs> it might eat the penguin. It might eat the dog. Apparently, I mean, a pair of gay penguins somewhere in Europe in a zoo have adopted a an abandoned egg. They're being very good parents to this egg, um, but they don't know if the egg is viable or not, or if the the penguin who the, there's one female penguin in the um, exhibit, um, and she abandoned the egg, and they don't know if they, she abandoned it because it wasn't fertilized or what. But they're but they're letting the two gay penguins keep it. Um, to see if um, it will hatch. That's cute. If they're not called John and Rodney, they certainly should be. I support this. <laughs> we should have a petition. I think it's in Germany. I could be mistaken. It's somewhere in Europe. I just want to say, sometimes I think, sometimes like... Oh, Dark Santa names are Roy and Silo. Which is adorable. That's cute too. I'm bored with that too. But we'd be all in on John and Rodney. Um, I really appreciate my readers. I really, I love you guys. I there are days when the comments that people have left just brighten things up for me. And yes, it's true that there are times that the, you know, minor percentage of people who leave shitty comments can really drown out. Um all those positive ones. But I will say that in the overall grand scheme of things, they don't. They might in a moment, those annoying comments might drown things out in a moment. But in the overall, I know that I've received a lot of love and appreciation from the people who've read my stories. And I'm, I have treasured every comment someone has left for me. So, um, you know, but it, there is there is that thing of like if you really do want more for an author and you're hearing this and you're the kind of person who would leave the more 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 comment on the off chance you hear this you might be shooting yourself in the foot because most authors do not find more 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 encouraging they don't find it supportive and honestly it can be the exact opposite of supportive on the day you post something yeah, it's Skipper and Ping, and they're in the Berlin the the, the Berlin Zoo. It, it is positive comments stay with me longer overall, but the selfish, ugly ones often give me. I mean, even if I don't remember them specifically, it creates a negative. Um, like the like the thing with Revenant, I couldn't actually pinpoint to you a single comment, particularly like. 
because I deleted them all. Um, so no, no single one comment stands out, but the end result is, is just this negative, I don't know, apathy. I feel like there's just this apathy around the idea of the Revenant and it's a very negative vibe. Yeah, that, that's a good word, Liz. It's just a negative vibe around that fic because of the comments that I received and not one in particular, but all of them. Yeah. I mean, if you get one thing or two, it's like. It's just one or two, but when there's a whole bunch, it starts to become, even the ones that could be read positively start to just become part of the negative morass of, <sighs> no. It's like once you go over that cliff, all you do is fall. Someone asked in the chat room, is there a way, um, let me get it right. So for the reader, is there a good, helpful way to express enthusiasm about where a series might go? Or is that the kind of thing you should keep behind your teeth? What I would say about a series work is um, asking for more is terrible. Um, guessing future plot points is like, dude, don't. No. I actually replotted a story to avoid something that somebody guessed in my pick because I was so furious that, 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 that they did it. It was just like infuriating. Well, sometimes I will do that. I'll do the replot. Um, it does. It, it can bother me. Especially if I think I've really done a good job of keeping something on the down low. But what worries me more is people will get a proprietary, feel like they've got a proprietary stake in your story, like you use their idea. And then they'll leave a comment like, oh, you used my idea. No, baby. Mm -mm. I really didn't. As Especially a matter of fact, you just noticed my idea that I was telegraphing in a way that I did not mean to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so don't offer constructive feedback unless you're specifically asked to. Um, probably, in, you know, honestly, and never in public because you're just encouraging other people to be assholes too. Um, don't ask for more. Um, don't guess plot points. Don't give the author a list of things you would like to see happen. Because what? This isn't Burger King. You don't get it your way. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but Express your gratitude for what they for, um, for, um, for the work that you've been given. Um, tell them how much you enjoy it. Uh, tell them how much you um, enjoy. But just tell them how you know. The, speak to their talent and their um, and the gift that they're giving you for free because it is a gift. Just be grateful and. I can't think of a single way for somebody to ask you for me more that I wouldn't find offensive. I've had, well, I've had, I've had a few comments that stick out to me because um, I've, I see comments like, and we, we, we had comments like this and we, you know, on rough trade stuff and we, uh, or wild hair or something. It's like, and we got them on quantum bang where someone will say something along the lines and say, this is such a beautiful world, or I love this so much. If you ever chose to write in it more, I would love to read it. But this story feels complete, and it feels lovely, and I'm so glad I got to read it. Yeah, that's not and, bad. That and that is good. expressing interest in the author. I, I actually very respond very positively to those kind of comments, which is that you're acknowledging acknowledging the completeness of the work you've been given, and that it's great, and that... In fact, it's so good that if the author chose to write more in that universe, you would love to read it. That doesn't feel like demanding more. It feels like an expression of appreciation. Um, 
So you're expressing interest in in, a, in future works without demanding future works. I did um, have someone recently tell me that they look forward to whatever work I post next. Mm -hmm. I've, I've got comments like that. I find that to be very... That's not bad. That's nice. Um, I think I've said to people, let's say, I don't know if, you know, I'll tell them what I like about the story. Because it's always important to me to talk about what I like about a story. Maybe not everything I like, but to tell them specifically, this is what I liked. And then say, you know, if you're, if you ever are drawn back to the, you know, another work in this, related to this, I will be here to read this because this was really exciting and your characters were really engaging and I'm just, it was great. So I think there are ways and, and the, I think the element, the thing that sticks out to me as the key thread in the things, the positive ways I've seen people express interest in, in a series work or potential of series work is, um, is they're expressing, they're not expressing what they didn't get. They're expressing appreciation for what they did get and how that makes them even more interested in what else I'm going to write. So, I mean, I've had people say about, um, specifically, I've gotten this kind of comment on If Found several times, which is like, one person's like, you know, I can see this as a complete work. I know it's complete. It feels complete. It doesn't need another damn thing. But I sure would not be mad if you wrote another story in this universe. Right? That's how I feel about it. I mean, it, it does feel complete. I mean, you've you've given us a really awesome journey and if found. But I also wouldn't be mad if you know Tony got laid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much specifically that. Yeah. And so the comment is get some. It does need to get some. And however it's phrased and whatever phrasing the person uses, the key thread in the comments that I like that are expressing interest in future work, they're all about appreciating what is already there. It's like, I love this so much that if you ever decide to come around to it again, I'd read this five times and then go read the other one too. I mean, it's <laughs> like, but the, the stuff that hits you wrong is when there's just like, the, it, either there's no appreciation for what has already there or the appreciation feels like an afterthought. And I read a comment that was left on somebody else's story today where it started off with, well, when you flesh this out or when you write more, it will be really great. And then, and then, and this is, a, this is a complete story. And the story was complete. I, I actually had read it. So I, in my estimation, I didn't feel like, were, were there things she could have expounded more on? Yes, but it's fan fiction. We can always write more. That's not the point. Um, it, she had completed the tale she wanted to tell and it felt like an arc. It felt like a story. So anyway, and then, the comment after that, there was something nice said, there's some nice things said, but they felt like afterthoughts compared to this will be really good when you've flushed out the world more or something, or something like that. It was just, wow, okay, fuck you. So there was that expression of appreciation, but it felt so, for starters, to me, it felt like it was tacked onto an insult, which is even worse than it, um, but whatever. Um, it felt so as an afterthought. It's sort of like when somebody tells you something positive about something you've written and they start it with, by the way, you've forgotten that. Like you're talking to somebody and they go, Oh, by the way, I read your story. It was really cute. I, 
I actually, the, the drive-by, by the way, is a real big pet peeve of mine. I hate the drive-by, by the way. I mean, and the thing is, I'm sure I've done it to somebody where we've been involved in a discussion for like two or three hours or something. Um, and I said, oh, by the way, I I did finish your story and I love that. I'm sure I've done it. I can almost hear my own voice saying it. But I really try not to do that. I try to be mindful about not doing the drive-by, by the way, because it feels like someone can't be bothered to take the time to tell you that they liked your story, that it's an afterthought. By the way, is an afterthought. It's, it's implicit. So. So my grandma a long time ago, I had, um, I met, I met this little friend in school and she um, was mean to me one day. And then the next day she was nice and said she didn't mean it and she was sorry. And then she got mean to me again. And I, t- I told my grandma about it. And she said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And it stuck with me. It's easily the best piece of advice I ever got about interview about. Yeah, it's from my Angelo. Um, and finding that out later in my life that my grandma got that from my Angelo. I was like, what? <laughs> my grandma had depths I didn't even know about. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it's amazing what you don't know about, about, about the people in your life. And um, I, I, I feel a lot of times that I didn't find out enough about my grandma um but uh it's true though it's uh, this is also true when an author tells you that they're that, that, that's that something they've written is complete accept it and believe it because that's their decision not yours you know that's one of my stories probably the story on my side that i think is well the second most in dire need of a sequel and I recognize that there's a key element to the trope that has not been fulfilled in that story. I get it. I knew that when I did it, but it wasn't, it's an SNG story, but it wasn't a bonding story. It was never going to be. So I recognize that that lack of bonding probably is a source of dissatisfaction for some people. And I get it. Right. But somebody commented one day, but there's reasons why that, that wasn't in there. And one day somebody commented and they said, um, I'm really glad you didn't write them just getting over it in bonding because it doesn't, wouldn't have read very authentic to the situation. And this really resonates. It feels very true the way this is written. And I'm like, oh yes, somebody got it. And I'm sure other people have gotten it too, but this person had bothered to express it. <laughs> and so, um, and I think she also added that she, you know, if, if I ever decided to write the other story, you know, to write the bonding that she'd love to read it, but that this, this felt right the way it is. Um, and that, that again, is in a way that somebody can express interest in the future or something, but acknowledge that the key there is acknowledging what is good about what about what you read makes you even want to read more. If you're not including that, then and you're just it, being a demanding, greedy asshole. It is just greedy demands. Um, and I know probably some people don't see their intention that way, but it is the way it's received a lot of times because it's just so, I cannot, I cannot, if you've never been in the situation, you cannot appreciate what it is like to post something that you have labored over. Whether it's 10,000. Sometimes 000, as much as a year. 
Yeah. Whether it's 10,000 words or 100 words, because there are some people that doing 10,000 words is as much work for them as for me doing 10, 100,000 words, because it's not, I type fast, I'm a clean writer, and I can edit my own shit pretty well. And some people don't type well. They um, struggle with editing, and and the whole beta process is a nightmare for them. So it, it word count is not a, not necessarily an indicator of effort. But 100,000 words is always effort. But 10,000 words for some people is 100,000 words of effort. I'm just saying. You just don't know. So, but you, regardless of what you put up, especially if it's finished, I cannot express, if you haven't been there, you don't know what it's like to get that comment. That I hope you come it, back to this one day. <laughs> I hope you come back to this one day. Or, or I need more. Or I want to read what Nebula and Tony, you know, I, I need the prequel where Nebula and Tony are, are, are doing their thing to try to go find Thanos. It's like, come on. Like, could you just appreciate what's actually there? Especially for me, it hits really hard in that first week of posting. Like it's just gone up, right? I haven't even had time from, from the, the rush of final drafts and posting and all of that stuff. I, I barely had time to work on anything else and people are demanding more. It's just, it's such, it can be so, for some authors, it is, it can be a devastating blow to just feel like that their readers, because that's what it starts to feel like. My readers are telling me I didn't give them enough. I'm like, no, no, your readers are just greedy. We, I mean, when we like something, I mean, I'm, I'm not exempting myself from this. When I go, when I go in on a trope, when I'm like, okay, I'm really digging this trope. I'm going to go find everything I can find about it. And I will thick dive like, like I was drilling for oil, man. It is just, I'm going to get every inch. I'm going to get every drop of this trope out of AO3. And then I'm going to go to a thick finder group and try to find the stuff that's not on AO3. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You want it. It's like, I want it. I want more. I want now. I, I totally understand the drive, but my obsession with something or my desire for something is not the author's problem. Yeah, I did get that really dumb comment on the legacy, which is a James and Lily fic. It's actually paired that way. Um, that people were pissed that Harry and Hermione didn't even meet in that story. Well, number one, Harry is eight in that story. Number two, um, they're not listed as a pairing because they're eight and nine, probably respectively, depending on the time period. They're eight. What do they think they're going to do? People are so weird. They think there'll be a little romance, eight-year-old romance. That's gross. I mean, they're not listed as a pairing. For a reason. Because they're not a pairing. I have never actually in my life. Been more more tempted. To kill a character. And replot. Than I was when I got all those comments. About Harry not meeting Hermione in that fic. Because I was like you know what. I'm going to fix y'all. Dumbledore is going to get out of ICW prison. Go kill Hermione Granger. And Harry's going to end up with Draco. <laughs> You would not. I would not do it. But it was like, I was just so instantly furious that I wanted to do it. Hermione's her unicorn. We don't. I wouldn't kill actually kill Hermione because she is my unicorn. But she, she'd ascend and she'd be working for the Stargate program or something. She wouldn't actually. Or, be, or be like, Hermione meets Harry and can't stand him. <laughs> like, I don't actually care if we're soulmates at this point. You're a dick. 
that people are just overly just, focused on. It's really they're annoying. Fo they're, fo they're focused on what they want to read versus what you wrote. And their, you know, harmony expectations are not your problem. Right? And they, I hate what this ship is called, in a jelly pairing. The what pairing? James and Lily, it's called Jilly. Oh, real? No. Yeah. I refuse. <laughs> I don't accept it. You know how I learned this, right? The fucking people looking for their Jilly fix on my site. It's, it's the Bambi pairing, okay? It's Bambi. Okay, we can call it Bambi. But no, I'm serious. That's how I discovered that's what that that pairing was called. Was they said, I can only find one Harry Potter story on your site. And it's it's Lucius at that point. It was, um, I think it may, may still be. It was Lucius, it was Lucius uh, Severus. And I was like, well, what the hell are you looking for? I'm looking for the Jilly fix. I'm like, they're all Jilly fix. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, James Lilly. I'm like, <laughs> go elsewhere. You would Go not elsewhere. believe some of the Google search terms that people get on my site with. I don't even. Oh, I know. I, sometimes I just had to stop. There was. There was this really horrible, horrible search term somebody used to find emergence one day. I was so offended. I'm like, I'm never looking at my search terms again. <laughs> it was no doubt. <laughs> it was something along the lines of Tony's the Omega on the team and everybody fucks him or something like that. <gasps> it was like. Oh. Oh, I can't. It was it was really this really offensive Omega search term. I was like, <laughs> and they clicked through. They clicked on my, and I wouldn't see that refer. I wouldn't see that as a search term that referred to my site. But Look, if, if I ever posted Snary, you can all assume that I've been kidnapped in a misery type situation, and I need help. That is a call to arms, bitches. <laughs> if I saw that. I would call Lady Holder and say, you need to get a hold of Kira and tell her her account has been hacked. <laughs> and if she says that's not what's happened, you need to call her husband and get her a brain scan. Because no. <laughs> yeah, Lady Holder would. She'd show up. She would show up and she'd be like, knocking on the door. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to the hospital. We're going to the hospital right now. I think you've had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> what the actual fuck? Because there is, I do have some no TPs and um and Harry and and Harry um, Severus Snape is one of them. Absolutely not, not in a hundred years, not in a thousand years, not not even for money. I don't care how you AU it. I don't care how you rewrite it. I don't care how you level you know level out the ages. No, it's abusive and it's disgusting. And I don't want any motherfucker. If the far, if one of you, if even one of you sends me, I I. Do not send me any links to Snary Fix. I'm so serious. Oh, did I? I didn't tell you. Remember, we were joking about my comment that if people didn't stop sending me wrecks, I was going to start telling them what was wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Somebody sent me an email saying, Would I be okay with them sharing with the author then? If I did, you know, they heard that and they responded basically. The gist of it was that if they sent me a wreck, and I told them what was wrong with the story. Would they be? Would they? Would I be okay then with them sharing that with the author? I'm like, oh, what you wow. say? I said, oh, so you're trying to get me to say you? I, I thought what they were trying to do is get me looped into author bashing. And I was like, you know, I'm not actually going to do it. But what I will do is ban you from my site. 
I'm not actually going to tear somebody's story apart because yes, I know that would actually get back to the author. <laughs> that would be an interesting approach, Queenie. <laughs> I don't, I have, I, I don't think that's actually in this context from this person. I don't think so. Um, but they were being an asshole. They were, they were just kind of basically chat. They, basically they're throwing down the gauntlet is the way I read it. That, you know, if they send me a wreck and I tear it apart, you know, they're going to share it with the, with the author and well, I'm prepared for that. In that case, that would be, it would be their choice to abuse an author that they enjoy. Yeah. And it is blackmail. But these assholes are also the same people who send you links of shit that you don't want. And that you <coughs> very publicly state <coughs> that you don't want. <coughs> My other well, OTP is actually, um, well, Snape actually was anybody that's not an adult, an adult when he's an adult. Um, I don't want to see Snape with any of the children that he taught. Not a single one. And especially not Hermione. Oh, but especially not Hermione. Oh, my any, honestly, Harry's less offensive. I'm just Harry's plenty offensive. Harry Snape is plenty offensive, but Harry, but Snape Hermione is just he is a Death Eater. Someone he recommended was a me, willing Death Eater. Someone recommended me a Hogwarts era story that was Snape Hermione. Oh, uh, 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 they told me, oh, 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 it's it's seventh year. Um, uh, she's oh, an adult, you know, in you. Britain, and I'm like, that's not exactly the point. That, it, that isn't the point. I mean, the yeah. age is a factor, yes. And the student-teacher thing is also a factor as well. But it's honestly like pairing the Warden of Auschwitz with Anne Frank. Yeah, it's just... Because Snape's a goddamn Death Eater, which makes him the equivalent of a Nazi. Yep. I mean, it's just... It, I was like, it, it. the age of consent in Britain is not the point here. There are so many things that are the point, but it is not the age of consent. I mean, even if he was a lovely man, even if he was written as being a really lovely teacher, he's her teacher. Right. If you if you love anything else, he's still her teacher. That's not okay. Teachers don't get to fuck their students. Yeah, it's really not okay. Oh, as. Go to the corner. Stop making your logical conclusions. I just can't deal with it this time of night. You're, you're on he was horrible to Hermione in the book. But he's also, I mean, he's He's a Death Eater. I've written, I've and the only reason he turned from Voldemort is because he killed Lily. Right. But I've, now I've read stories where they write him that he's not a Death Eater. But even if you wrote him where he didn't become a Death Eater, um, no. It's still no. And that's the thing. is People try to give you this scenario whereby it would be okay. It's like, no. It's a hard no. Just let it be the no. If it's what you want to read, go read it. Just own your reading habits. But quit trying to force it on me. I got a really long, nasty email the last time I said this, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Um, Severus Snape did not love Lily Potter. I agree. I agree with you. We don't agree on everything in fandom, even though people seem to think we do. Which is why it's, <laughs> like, they've never, it's like they've never heard the podcast, but I absolutely agree with you on that. He did not love Lily. And you can say a lot about James Potter, about his behavior at Hogwarts. Although we, like, like I said before, and I'll say again, all we have really to go on um, are some memories and offensive that could be bias and serious admitting that they, that they were a bit of, uh, of a bully at Hogwarts. But here's the thing, all teenage boys, well, really all teenagers are assholes. Um, and James Potter might have been a lot of things, 
but he died for his wife and child. So if Severus Snape had loved Lily Potter the way he said that he did, he would have died with her. He, he would have died for her or with her. He wouldn't have shown up later to clutch her dead body. That's not love. That's obsession. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. In in um, Stand by You, um, I actually had it that Snape was forced to take the dark mark by his mother. But even then, that doesn't make him redeemable because he still participated as a Death Eater. He still is a Death Eater. He still does. He, he still did the Dark Lord's bidding. And if he was so adamantly opposed to the ideals and what was happening to that, he would have done something different. He could have run. He could have turned on him and tried to kill him and died fighting. But he didn't. Because he's not brave. And he didn't love her. That's just my opinion. And in no universe I ever write will Albus Severus actually exist. Because what the fuck. I'm pretty sure that's Harry Potter begging for help. And no one noticed. I think yeah, that, that he could have gone to Godric's Hollow before um, anybody else did. Um, he has a Patronus. He knew the spell to send the Patronus communication. Why didn't he tell them that Voldemort was coming? Well, Peter Pettigrew was the secret keeper and he gave Voldemort a secret. I imagine he also gave the Order of the Phoenix the secret. Yeah. Before the events of the, the, the Halloween. Because they would have had to have been able, and why they didn't assemble to their defense because I'm sure that's why they were given the secret. So that they could go there if they were attacked. Yet they were attacked and only Hagrid showed up. The one who couldn't use his magic. Well, and serious. Dumbledore's patsy. So. But we could spend years bitching about <laughs> the plot inconsistencies in, <laughs> in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, but I think we've pretty much exhausted the topic. Just, you know, um, if, if you're a reader, just be grateful and be kind and don't be an asshole. Um, and asking for more is never going to be a compliment. It's just not. Using the word more or God fucking help you. M-O-A-R <laughs> more is not a compliment. Anyways, the key, the, the key, the key to expressing interest, the key to feedback in this context, as we said, is expressing appreciation and interest in what is already there before you express interest in what might come. But honestly, I mean, even, you know, I, I don't mind seeing the words. I look forward to whatever you post next. Yeah, I don't either. And and there are ways, like 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 we talked about earlier, there are ways people have expressed an interest in sequels that didn't bother me in a bit. I even found I found them flattering. I thought they were sweet. But um, anything that includes a laundry list of what people would like to see outside of the Gibbs Wepler thing, which is a rare exception, um, is is just that that particularly the laundry list of things people want to see is typically makes me super annoyed. So, but um, yeah. And for the record, I don't need to give AO3 a look-see. So oh, come on. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. And um, we'll probably 
do another one sometime during the weekend if Julie's not busy and Lady Holder's not busy. We'll figure something out. Like maybe we can do a trope drift if you guys are interested in that. Um, and we will. Sh we shall catch you later. Say good night, Julie. Good night.